Coming to you from Northern California. Uh, negative K, nothing further. Just, uh... This is the Shots Fired Podcast. With your hosts, Sergeant Kyle Schoberg, retired police officer Mark Redlich, and Deputy Billy. We are America's leading law enforcement resource for training and tactics from experts in the industry. Here are your hosts. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode. We are extremely excited about this one. I know you guys have been waiting a long time. We've been saying we're going to have an air ops uh, episode. You guys have been stoked on it. Scheduling wise um, has been very difficult with us. We have been very fortunate that the legend Jack Shanley is in town (laughs) from LAPD air ops. Jack did 35 years in law enforcement, 20 or almost 20 of those years were in the air ops division. Prior to that, he was in canine. So he has a ton of experience. We're going to dive into a bunch of exciting stuff today. We're going to talk about common mistakes cops makes uh, apprehending suspects. We're going to talk about how to set perimeters, uh, how to be successful on critical incidents. Um, Jack literally wrote the book, Apprehending Suspects. Uh, so this is going to be a great episode. Jack, thank you for carving time out of your time to be here. I know that you're in town for a class that you are teaching tomorrow. Uh, Go ahead and quickly introduce yourself, and how did we get here today? Wow. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, this for is, sure. Uh, I'm thank excited you. to be here. Yeah. I was really thrilled to get your call, and and uh, it worked out great coming down here. I'm going to be in Elk Grove with the class tomorrow. And uh, what class is it? Apprehending Tell Fleeing Suspects. Okay, yeah. Apprehending Fleeing Suspects is the, the class. I've been doing it for 22 years now. Um and uh, been to Sacramento area quite a bit, but tomorrow Elk Grove. But um, the, the, you want the thumb thumbnail of uh, well, hey, what tell I've been everybody, doing, tell everybody what uh, what exactly what the thumbnail version of the class that you're here to teach. Okay, the, the class is basically a very down and dirty basics ABC class of apprehending fleeing suspects. And what I mean by that is a suspect running from the police on foot and you've got to capture them. How do you do that? I mean, you can chase them down, but for most of us, it doesn't happen. They get out of our view. And unless you're an Olympic runner or something, they get out of our view and then what do you do? And, and basically we contain them. And so the class is about how to do that. And it sounds so simple. And, but all of you guys know it is not that simple. It's mm-hmm. simple on paper. It's simple on a tabletop exercise. But in real life, when the emotions are high and the adrenaline's flowing and the shots are being fired, it's hard. Yeah, it's yep. hard. You no. got to communicate. You got to you got to do a lot of things right. And so the class is designed for patrol folks, whether they be patrol officers, canine handlers. Uh, SWAT team members, the people that are out there really working it uh, and chasing people. And uh, it kind of developed through um, just a friend who happens to live right up the road here in retirement now, bugging me and saying, hey, you got to put 
the stuff that we talk about in the cockpit, <laughs> you got to put that into a class. Well, some of it, not some all. Of not all of it is my guess. <laughs> some of it in the cockpit, that just doesn't in the cockpit. It's a lot like this. Uh, but, the, for instance, I'll just give you an example of how this really started, is that I'd be over a perimeter as a tactical flight officer, and canines going to search that perimeter. And before they start searching, I had just left canine. So before they start searching, I'd get on the air and say, hey, Jimmy, grab your dog, come down seven houses and check this backyard for me before you start the systematic search that's mm-hmm. going to take the next two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. And he said, roger that. And he'd bring his dog down, send it into that yard, suspect in custody. And the pilot friend, uh, Rick Lowen, said, how did you know that? <laughs> yeah. I, go, I didn't know that. Well, you just sent Haggerty, uh, seven houses into a backyard. How did you know the guy was in there? I said, I, Rick, honest to God, I didn't know he was in that yard. It was an educated guest based on my five years in canine. Look at these yards. That yard has, these yards are clean. Clean meaning not a lot of obstacles, not a lot of bushes, not a lot of stuff. Mm. This, this yard has three abandoned cars, Tons of bushes, 10 trash cans, junk everywhere, a shed. Oh, that's where you're hiding. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. It's like, it's just, it's just um, probabilities is what it was. It was probabilities. Yeah. Yeah. And this happened more than once. It didn't happen all the time, believe me. But it happened enough times where Rick said, formulate that, figure out how you can teach others about that sort of thing and relate it to perimeters. I go, I can do that. And it started as a two-hour block in the CHP aircrew course. No kidding. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. And it turned to four hours and then six hours and then eight hours. And then I was doing it just for nothing. I mean, just going to places and doing it for nothing. And, and then one day, a friend from Anaheim PD said, hey, you're going to come and teach that class to us. We need that desperately. I'm like, okay. He says, and we're paying you. I go, no, no, you're not. Yeah. And he said, then, then you're not invited. <laughs> and we agreed on an amount, and then it took off. That's, and next thing you know, awesome. that, was, that was 22 years ago. And really um, cool. I, it's taken me around the world. Literally, I've been taking me around the world, and, uh, and I've been to Sacramento quite a bit, probably more than any place else. Really? Um, between the county canine, city canine, uh, and a bunch of departments around here, uh, it's brought me here. Oh my gosh. I don't even know how many times I have to look, but I bet it's over a dozen. That's well, awesome. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, that's a testament to your class too, yeah. because, you know, I, I'm, I'm guessing that other agencies were involved in, you know, when you did the PD one or, or oh, something. Absolutely. and yeah. still they, they went through and they're like, okay, we need to get this to more people. And I, I know of some people who've gone to it multiple times I, too. I have, yeah. I've been yeah. twice. Yeah. So yeah, that's so, really cool. You know, that's, and, how many times have you gone to a training multiple times? Like that's, yeah, that's rare. rare, right? It's gotta be good. Yeah. yeah. I see a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> the, the record is Van Borgardis from Placer County. Van's <laughs> been in the class. He's retired now, but uh, he was in the class at least a dozen times. Really? And, oh, wow. I'd say, will you just come up here? I'm, I'm not feeling well today. I'd, I'd hold the clicker up and say, come up here and just teach the class. And I'd laugh and everybody would be wondering what we're talking about. But that's what I'm talking about. He, yeah. he knew the class, but he told me, and I believe him, uh, he's become a good friend. He said, I learn something new each time. Yeah, I hear the same bad jokes, but <laughs> I leave with a new piece of information every time that helps me do my job. Mm-hmm. 
I got to keep doing this. I can totally vouch for that. And if, <laughs> if you guys find out that Jack's in your neighborhood doing a class, I would seriously strongly suggest that you guys sign up for it. It is, it is fantastic. And Hey, I've been twice and I learned something new every time too. Good. So I'm, I'm glad. And that's why I keep doing it. Yeah. And yeah. I got, I'm sending several of my guys from my patrol team to your class tomorrow. So that, right. that's cool. Are um, you really? Yeah. Nice. I yeah. think any type of training that you go to when the instructor is really good and you bring people back, that's oh, that all says something. Yeah, yeah, yeah for, for sure. sure. I appreciate it. I really do. It makes me feel good to see some of the same faces. And when they tell me, hey, I learned something new today, I go, well, I guess I can keep doing this for a while longer. <laughs> you know, I really didn't know how long I would do it after retirement. Yeah. I honestly didn't. Because I think, I think trainers especially in, in the world of tactical stuff, mm-hmm. uh, there's a shelf life, yeah, I, sure. I think, where you start, if you're not out there over the incidents on a nightly basis or behind that dog or doing the entries, after a while, you know, your credibility kind of slips a little bit maybe. And I was worried about that. But <laughs> the positive thing is I keep getting calls and, yeah. and saying, no, 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 we know what we're getting. We've seen it. We want you back. And that makes me feel good. No, that's awesome. So. I, I think there's, there's a difference though. I mean, like you're, you're kind of teaching human nature and yeah. Yeah. human behavior, which sure it changes a little bit, it I'm does. guessing. But um, for the most part, we act the same. That There's a reason that you can predict that that person was seven houses down. Exactly. It's because that's what that's humans right. do. Yeah. That's it's, right. It's that just, it's, and, and that's what you're teaching. Yeah. That yeah. has not changed. I mean, how we react to it has certainly changed. Right. Mm-hmm. Tactics um, went out of a And bad guys, I, I say this in the class oh, over and over, bad guys have evolved mm-hmm. over the decades dramatically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the tactics they used in the 80s, they're not using those most of the time now because they would get caught every time, yep. every single time if they used 80s or 90s tactics. Um, so they've changed. Yeah. And my point that I try to drive is we need to understand that, respect it, and we need to evolve too. And if we just keep in our 80s, 90s tactics, yeah, you're going to cast your occasional new guy. Yeah. <laughs> but you're not yeah. going to cast the parolees. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the parolees know that hiding in the first bush it's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> it's stupid. Yeah. There are rookies that will do that. Yeah. And uh, most, so, so they're, they've evolved. So have we. Um, and that's, and I agree that the human yeah. nature part yeah. is still there. Right. Well, we're, we're really happy to have you in yeah. studio today and giving us your time. We got a lot of good stuff we want to extract from you for you to share. Okay. Uh, we do have a couple questions that we are going to end up asking you. I think Kyle has that in a second. But we want to give a shout out to our sponsor, TACOPS. Check out SWATConference.org. Next month, uh, September 6th through the 9th, they have invited us. So Kyle and I will actually be at their conference in Washington, D.C., with the studio and a booth set up. So please come and visit us. So check out swatconference.org. And yeah. feel bad for Billy for not being able to go. Yeah. yeah. Work. Just just feel bad for me in general. Cause I, <laughs> Cause I have to be friends with Kyle. I guess I don't have to, but I am friends you with Kyle. To. I you mean, at this point, there's I mean, obviously something what, there I that mean, draws yeah, you back. Yeah, so. I mean, what I guess it's, a, we'll call it a professional friendship at this yeah. point. We're, I would actually <laughs> say acquaintances, but. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah. 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 Let's just stick with that. <laughs> So um, I, I want to do a shout out to uh, 1097 Coffee uh, or 1097 Apparel and their website, 1097apparel.com. They also have an Instagram. Uh, check them out. They're a supporter of us and gave us these cool hats. Coffee's coffee, great. Yeah. Yeah. Got to try it. Yeah. Thank you very much. And then also uh, Fit for Duty Foundation, TJ Webb. 
doing an awesome thing. Go check out their website, fitfordutyfoundation.org. If you guys want to donate to the foundation, I would highly suggest that you do that. Help out, help out other first responders. They're helping pay for um, police officers, gym memberships. Um, you know, they're very big into the mental health thing and as well as physical fitness. So if you can donate whatever you guys can fitfordutyfoundation.org, Mark sport in the hat. So it's for a great cause. Um, and like I said, it's, it's benefiting first responders. So go check them out. Yeah. Mm. Like I've, we've said a thousand times, I think the mental and physical side, are, they go hand in hand. So yeah, for sure, uh, take care of your mentals first. Yeah. And if we can help take care physical. of each other, cops, you know, that are still in the business yep. that are starting their own businesses, you know, starting nonprofits. I mean, that's, that's awesome. We, we got to help our community out. So yep. yeah. that but was ignored for a long time for forever yeah. until probably pretty recently. Yeah. So I, I think it's great for, yeah. for doing that. Yeah. <laughs> Cause we all need it <laughs> yeah, for sure. So that's why we started this, this whole podcast. So, um, all right, well let's jump into, um, we kind of touched on it a little bit, but uh, Jack, do you mind giving us your bio of when you got started? Sure. You know, what were your your assignments that you held uh, throughout your time at uh, the Los Angeles Police Department? And we'll go from there. Well, it, it started many moons ago in 1980 as a part timer in Berks County, Pennsylvania. I was a, a deputy sheriff part timer in a small sheriff's department uh, assigned to courtroom security type things. Uh, that's that was my foot in the door. And uh, I sat through trials and sentencing and learned a lot of valuable things. I don't know if uh, any of us were alive. No. Just, I decided to throw shots fired out <laughs> there. Yeah. Actually, you know? <laughs> so much. Yeah. Uh, was, it was a long time ago. Uh, but that's how it started. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and then it led to going out and doing civil stuff. and But some warrant services and things like that with some really good people that I'm still friends with to this day. And, that's cool. And then. And uh, Police Product News was a was a law enforcement magazine at that time. It's now Police Magazine. But Police Product News would have one ads. <laughs> I mean, literally one ads in the back of the magazine. And I saw San Diego PD and LAPD were hiring. And I said, you know, I, I'm getting out of Pennsylvania after I graduate from college. And I want to be a cop. And I want to go to a bigger city. And, and I don't want it to be on the East Coast. That was with the criteria. And I actually applied to San Diego first and I was out testing with them and went to a friend's wedding. And then I stopped by and visited um, LAPD and uh, some PR guy gave me a tour and he did, he pressed all the right buttons. He sold you. Uh, yeah, I mean, he, he did his job. I'll tell you exactly yeah, what he did. Job. He took me to <laughs> your communications you. division where the dispatching went on. This is 19 summer of 80, probably 83. Oh, Spring so you, of 83. You were like 15. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're just, we give Mark a hard time because he looks 70, but he's yeah. only about 30. Oh, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just teasing. Sorry. Go ahead. So he took me to communications division and he, he handed me a headset and I put a headset on. We came up behind this very attractive woman, dispatcher, <laughs> and she turned around and waved to me and said, hi, you know, and I said, hi, you yeah. know, and I'm like, been listening to her. And this, this PR guy is just watching me. I mean, he's just watching me, you know, kind of weird. I mean, I, I, dude, <laughs> yeah. you know, what are you looking at? And then she starts talking and my jaw drops. It's the one out of 12 lady. 
It's her. It's one out of 12, one out of 12. See the man. It's the voice from one out of 12. Really? It's the show that influenced yeah, yeah, me to yeah. become a Los Angeles. And I went, oh my gosh. And, you know, he knew what he was doing. I applied that day. No shit. I mean, I filled out a card that day. And that was in May of 83 and November of 83. Boom, I'm standing on the on the yellow line in the gymnasium at the academy. Wow. I mean, unbelievable. And I love telling that story because it's, it's, that is the truth. The truth. I mean, it yeah. was like, wow. And she was a phenomenal dispatcher, by the way. Um, just passed away recently. Um, wow. Wonderful woman. Anyway, uh, obviously, I did my patrol time, my probation, I did in uh, Foothill Division. Uh, great place to, to learn. And then I requested to go to South Central. Uh, everybody thinks you're crazy to do that, but that's where the action was in the 80s and 90s. Trucking and uh, I went to 77th Street and it was wild. <laughs> I mean, it was unbelievable. It's At that time, there was uh, 18 police stations in the city. And 77 Jeez. was one of those. Wow. 10 square miles, 1986, 160 homicides. Holy wow. I'll bet they had 20 last year. Wow. In all this chaos that's going on in the world, it was insanity. Drive-bys every night, uh, carjackings constantly. It, it was... It developed the information for this class yeah, <laughs> and the yeah, book and all that. It just was like, this is where I learned to be a cop and great street cops. Uh, I couldn't list them all. I mean, it's just amazing. And uh, went from 77th to uh, was, became a training officer there uh, and went to Hollywood Vice for an 18 month uh, vacation. Hollywood Vice was. Um, Picking up prostitutes. I mean, Hollywood had a huge prostitution problem in the 80s and 90s. No, you don't it's say. still there. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was insanity. Yeah. They, were, they were nice when there was, you know, 40, 50 girls out there. And uh, so there was a, a, a very active ice team. It was, it was fun, but 18 months was enough uh, <laughs> of that nonsense. And then uh, I went to Metropolitan Division, which is a citywide um, crime suppression unit, mm -hmm. to Boyd Platoon. Great experience. Uh, did VIP security, did bank stakeouts, did all sorts of cool stuff. Met presidents. I met Gorbachev. Uh, I met uh, Bush 41. I mean, opportunities that I would have never got yeah. if I was still in patrol. I mean, I was guarding a doorway in a kitchen and met Bush 41 twice That's in crazy. 24 hours. I mean, just nuts. And he remembered my first name. And it's like, oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Well, Jack uh, is uh, yeah. <laughs> not that hard to remember. That's true. Yeah. That's true. But He's I like, hey, Mac, how's yeah. it going? I thought he wrote it on his hand. You know, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Hey, Mac. Yeah, it goes that counts. And then and I went to K9, which is part of Metro. And we'll talk about K9 a little later, I know, but uh, I went to K9 and um, did five years there. That was an amazing experience. Uh, you're basically just searching for bad guys every night. I mean, every night you went to perimeters and building searches and searched for the worst of the worst. And it was fantastic. And I learned more in that five years than any other time period in my career, by far, by far. It, it, was, it was just incredible. A lot of hard work, a lot of cleaning out poop from the back seat, a lot of <laughs> nonsense, uh, but the work was incredible. Yeah. And, um, and then I had the opportunity to go to air support, went to air support as a tactical flight officer, did that for a short time, a chief TFO, and then in 2000 became a pilot, switched seats, and I finished my career as a pilot. I did 16 years as a pilot, and 
still flying over perimeters and foot pursuits and surveillances. And, and, uh, I did all sorts of other things in air support. Uh, we can get into if you want. And, um, but that's, that's basically it. And then retired back in 2016, got out of Dodge as quickly as possible. And, uh, something you will all strive to do at some point. And, uh, <laughs> I got out of California and, uh, I started teaching at a police academy in Oregon part-time. I love it. I do building search, traffic stops. I just started firearms, um, shadowing as an instructor in firearms, which I'm really enjoying. Oh, are um, the recruits enjoying it? I don't know. I, I think so. <laughs> Who, cares? Who cares? Who cares? They're recruits. They're recruits. Who cares? Yeah. yeah they don't get a choice. Uh, <laughs> I think they do. I, well, I know most of them do. Some of them don't. Some of them don't appreciate, uh, appreciate, but most do. And I love it. Uh, especially the building search. That's, I love that. Tons. I've learned, I do better building searches today than I did <laughs> as an active cop for 30 or 40 years. And that's a fact. I just told somebody that the other day and they went, what? I go, oh no, no, it's, it's not even close to that. It's well, so true. Well, that's <laughs> one of those things that tactics the, have changed yeah. quite yeah. a bit. Yeah. Tactics back in the day yeah. were a little scary. Yeah. Yeah. What? A little it is. sketch. And, and I, and I get to watch people do it now and I see their mistakes. I go, oh man, I've made all those. I even made those you know, halfway through my career, I was making those mistakes and now they're making them as recruits and, and I get to fix them a little bit, you know, uh, very rewarding. And then I'm doing my class Yeah, and I travel that's the awesome. world doing that. So th- that's thumbnail. That's cool. And that's, that's, man, you should be really proud of that. You know, I where am, you are I'm, today, I mean, oh, I'm very not proud. everybody can say that. You know? I, I am, I'm very proud of it. And I'm, and I'm, I wouldn't change a thing. Yeah. I mean, I had some terrible times. Yeah. I mean, just some, terrible, terrible times, losing friends and mm-hmm. uh, acquaintances and people. I mean, I think there was 30, over 30 officers lost, killed in line of duty during my time on the job. That, that's hard. Wow. That's yeah. really hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and some of them were friends, you know, most of them were. It's, it's a department of almost 10,000. You, you didn't even see them in your life. I mean, I have classmates yeah. that I graduated with and April of 84 that I haven't seen since April of 84. No kidding. And they were Jeez. on the job the same 30 years I was. I never saw them again. Oh. Same you know? department? Absolutely. That's crazy. People don't believe me when I, I say that. I said, no, 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 you don't understand. The majority of my classmates, I never saw again. Now, some I worked with in patrol cars. Some of them were canine handlers with me. Some were in the same cockpit. But most of them... You know, if they went like the detective route, I didn't see them. Yeah. I mean, wh- where wow. would I see them? Yeah. And working canine, you know, you were citywide. I got to bump into a lot of them doing that. Mm-hmm. You'd bump into them, they'd be the, the, they'd be the sergeant at the scene. You go, hey, how you doing, Mark? I haven't seen you since what, 84. 84. <laughs> <laughs> you know, 1984. Oh, yeah. And it was, it was, that was typical. Um, Gosh, so, that's crazy. Yeah, it was, uh, but it was great. Yeah, was I do really feel cool. lucky. I feel lucky to have survived some of the stupidity that I, that I did <laughs> and uh, it, it's, it's good. And now I'm trying to share it back. Hey, you know what? Oh, I think all three of us uh, sitting here could probably, probably say the same thing, you know, which is why we're doing what we're doing, making very bad decisions. And, oh. you know, luckily it worked out, but, um, and that's what we're going to dive into. Um, if you don't mind, let's talk about your canine career because um, I think you, you had already mentioned it and that's where you learned the bulk of, um, you know, basically, uh, what, you know, now. Oh yeah, and absolutely. Hey, it's, it's tough too, because you know, like I've been a dog handler, these guys weren't. And I, you know, I tell everybody like, I've seen a dog. 
Yeah, you've seen it. Mark got mauled by one. But I mean, I have a dog. Does that count? <laughs> no, that doesn't count. <laughs> okay. close. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, yeah, you're like, come on. You tell it down. Yeah, you have Mark, a dog, too. Mark like, we're, we're good. gets goosebumps <laughs> we when know we start it. talking about canine units and stuff. Um, no, but uh, yeah, honestly, like, I, I do tell everybody, I'm like, that, number one, you're, you're right. Like, that was the most fun time I ever had in my career. It's and great. that is... Uh, I learned so much doing that job because you do it every, every single day. And, and that's all you do at training. You're training to do that stuff. Right. Everything. And not a lot of, there's not a lot of special to uh, special duty assignments where like you get to say that. Right. So, um, canine is fantastic. And I know there's some guys out there that are like have zero interest in it. Oh yeah. Um, no, I understand. And that's, yeah, yeah, I get it. And I totally understand it. But what I would say to that is, uh, if you do get a, a chance to work with canine guys, listen to what they say. And, and if they're teaching you stuff, I mean, these guys and gals are, are they are the tacticians, I think, of patrol. Yeah. Um, it's great. I, I love it. So in diving into your canine career, um, my story, you know, I've listened to you on other podcasts before, and it sounds like your story is pretty similar to mine in, in, in that, you know, I came from a small department as well and where we didn't have dogs, never worked around them came to the department I'm at now, had a canine unit. And while I was on training within the first, I think week or two, uh, had my first call with a, with a dog. And, uh, I remember standing there, the dog is behind me. It's like a robbery in progress. The guy's still in the seven 11 dogs, freaking barking. I was terrified of the dog thinking, Holy shit. What, you know, this thing's going to freaking attack me. Um, you know, the handler's like, Hey, pay attention. And, uh, you know, dogs aren't going to bite you. And I'm like thinking fucking, yeah, right. Uh. Well, don't get but, in front of it. Yeah, yeah. So long story short, right ends up in a, in, the, in a dog bite. And uh, I was, dude, that day on, I was yeah. like, that that's what I'm going to do. Yep. Like whatever I need to do to do that job, like that is me. That's right. And I spent several years uh, training with the canine team, volunteering my own time um, for a long time to, to get that position. And uh, God, I, I fucking loved every second of it. Yeah. Um, how did your canine career start? Just like that. <laughs> I mean, it's right? like, yeah. it, you, you get... You get to go on a search and you see it and you feel it and you, you stand there and wonder and go, how does that dog do that? I mean, it, it was amazing to me. I remember the search. I remember the handler. I remember the dog's name. Yes, this, is, too. this is 1984. Okay. This is a long time ago. I don't remember what I had for lunch today. What was the dog's name? Everyone's going to ask. What Urko. is it? Urko. Jay Moberly's dog. Jay Moberly, canine legend on LAPD, has become a dear friend, somebody I admire greatly. I talk about his incidents all the time because they're so valuable. Uh, and I went on a search with Jay. He treated me like a gold, even though I was a boot. I was nobody. Mm -hmm. And that's what I loved about Jay. Whether you, it was the chief of police or a boot, he treated you the same. And, and I just went, I am doing this someday. I mean, that was long. That was 84. I didn't make canine until 92. That's a long time. Yeah. But, but I went on a lot of searches in between there where you, you'd be standing at, a, at an incident and canine would come up and say, hey, uh, Billy, Mark, come with me. And they knew who to pick, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And, cause yeah. they, and they said, come along. And then you'd go on the team with them. It was a really high-end shots fired arm stuff then they'd take multiple canine people or add a SWAT person or two. But if it was Grand Theft Auto or, you know, burglar or something, they'd grab patrol guys. And if you were lucky enough, they yeah, get picks. recognized. Yeah. And I got lucky enough to be recognized by a few of them and got to know them. And they trusted you and they said, let's go. And they knew that you'd do what you were told. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, hey, 
you know, you're going to do this, this, and this, Roger that, you know, and you, you went out and did it. And next thing you know, you're going on a lot of searches. So I got to see a lot of real searches and it just sold me. And yeah, uh, now it, it looks to, to a lot of people and you'll be able to relate to this for sure, Kyle. I mean, uh, it looks like the glamour job and it ain't. <laughs> it, yeah. it's, there's diarrhea in the back seat of your car regularly. There's um, <laughs> fleas all over you. You're climbing under buildings with fleas. You're you're uh, in attic crawl spaces. You've got cobwebs all over you. you. You got a search in the in the rain and now you smell, your car smells like wet dog for eternity. And you know, there's a certain smell to a canine car yeah. that is with you forever. I smell it right <laughs> now talking about yeah, it. I, I mean, and every canine handler understands that. So it's not, it's not all glamor, no. but when you're on the hunt, oh, uh, there was nothing quite like that. Yeah. And when you find somebody and you know that I don't think I would have found him and I don't think my partners would have found him, mm -hmm. that dog found him, Yeah. you know, and you just go, wow. Wow. I mean, their noses are just so powerful and they, you can, you can mold them and shape them to do these things that are absolutely incre incredible. And yeah. that's what sold me on it. And I loved every minute, Yeah, I every minute of it. And I was reluctant to leave, but I had young kids and the lifestyle was tough because it was, you were at work 2000 to zero four and you got called out all the time. Yeah. I mean, you got called out all the time. Uh, even when you weren't on call, we had people on call specifically. Mm -hmm. We said, okay, you know, you three are on call tonight. I'm not on call tomorrow. And all of a sudden the phone rings and says, hey, they need you too. They, they, it's a big perimeter. They need everybody. And then boom, you're not even on call and you're racing in. And so it was an unstable life. And I just thought as much as I love this, I need stability for my kids. And uh, that's where led the air support. And it was a natural transition with tactics and stuff, but, um, well, but I, I loved it. I want to comment on one of the things that you were talking about, not being a canine handler. The two of you had mentioned it where you're, you show up to a scene to assist, you take control. And then ultimately you look around at who's there. And then you pick the officers that you want to go with you. hundred mm -hmm. percent. I've been the one that has not been picked. And then I've been the one that has been picked. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's important to point out for those that are not being picked that it's not, there's no disrespect. No, it's just, you no. may know somebody more, you trust them differently. There's discipline, there's more experience. They've done it multiple times Yeah, in that, that canine handler needs that trust. It's a good point. Yeah. So yeah, it's a it, really important point because is. I didn't get picked all the time right. by far. And, and then when I was picking people years later, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't that, Oh no, you're not up to par. It's like, I've never seen you before, mm -hmm. you know, or, or I have seen you before and maybe you went on a search with me and you, you didn't, I mean, you didn't uh, do, do the things that I told you to do. I told you you were rear guard. And every time I looked at you, you weren't rear guard. You were doing this. I'm not going to pick you next time. Yeah. Now, if I have, I was one that would talk to people about that and say, Hey, you know, you got to fix that. If you want to go on canine search and everybody wanted to go, mm -hmm. you gotta, you gotta fix that. And, he said, oh. and most of them were receptive and said, I'll fix it. And then you take them again and they fixed it. Um, but that, I, that's a really important point. It, well, it's nothing personal. It, it is, it's out of a, kind of a survival because it's dangerous shit. I mean, yeah. you're out there with a, a dog running in front of you looking for an armed bad guy. He could be right next to you. Mm -hmm. And 
And you better have a team with you that you know is going to take the proper action. You know, for instance, you know, my job is to watch the dog. Your job is to watch everything else out here. Don't yeah. watch that dog. You're not, you don't know what that dog is telling, telling me, you know, watch out here. Cause if that guy pops up over here and my dog's over here, I'm depending on you to take care of that. You know, yeah, that's, for sure. that's the thing. You and, know? And, and I would go as far as I, I know a lot of canine handlers are, are listening to the show and, and a little, t- that's a great point. And a little tip for you would be, um, you as a dog handler, like you should be having these conversations with your patrol teams. And, you know, we, we do trainings for new hires and, you know, introduce them around dog stuff and teach them tactics and what we do and what we expect of cover officers. And, you know, what we always tell the cops is like, Hey, we may not pick you to go out on a search with us. And like you just said, it's not because we don't like you. We don't, the thing is, is like, we're the tip of the spear going after a very violent person. And we need people that are going to um, be able to watch their areas of responsibility not be so focused on the dog um, because if something bad happens, I have to be able to trust that you're going to save potentially save my life. Right. I, I don't even worry so much about the dog, but I, I am concerned about my own life and their life. Uh, so yeah, you, you don't just pick anybody to go on a canine search with you, but I would say as a dog handler, like you need to have those conversations with your patrol team so that everybody is aware uh, of the expectations. Um, you know, I mean, we go over that stuff in depth all the time with our patrol teams. Good. So that's how it should be. It should be. And and I know a lot of guys don't. And when something happens and now they are going to go out on a search and, you know, then they're trying to like, you know, piecemeal it all together. And it's like, well, it's like too late at that point. You, you got to do that stuff ahead of time. Yeah. So that is a really good point. A lot of people wonder that and, and they're like, why didn't I get picked? And it's, yeah. and there it just and is what it is. There's also yeah. people, cops that don't like dogs. They're scared of dogs. Oh yeah, for sure. And sometimes they'll, Kind of. You, are you, who are you looking at? Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. I bet it's good, but that's that. changed. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like I think when you were in patrol, it was different. But yeah. no, you're right. But some people tell you that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah for I'm sure. Scared of dogs? Then you shouldn't go. Perfect. <laughs> you shouldn't go. And if you're yeah. a cop listening and you are afraid of dogs and you don't, don't be embarrassed, dude. You should say that. You should be very vocal to the handler. I'm, I'm scared of dogs. I would rather not. Cool. Perfect. You're going to be the primer guy. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that. That's right. Uh, that's more safe than try to hide it. And then you're a terrible cover officer and the dog picks up on it. And then that's it's right. just a disaster. I would, I would tell them, you know, one of the things that the dog is searching for, it, it's not really, you've heard the term fear scent. It's not really yeah. fear scent, but it, it does have to do with that. Mm-hmm. It has to do with adrenaline and emotion. And, and I mean, why, why does the, why does the scent of a homeless guy different in this tent different than the suspect in this tent. Well, I don't know, but yeah. the theory is <laughs> yeah, the theory that is. this guy's got adrenaline going. He's scared. He's pumping. He's, he's pumping sweat. There's something different. Yeah. And, and so fear is part of that. Uh, certainly part of that. And so you, I would tell people, Hey, you know, if you're scared, don't go. You're, you're just gonna be uncomfortable the whole time. And the dog can sense that these dogs are unbelievable what mm-hmm. they can perceive and sense. And, and, uh, and there's bad things can happen <laughs> to, uh, to yeah. cops. It, it's, I mean, it's happened to me as a handler, the accidental bites yeah. on, you know, whatever. You don't whatever. Want it. I was very lucky. I didn't have one, but I know some very good dog handlers with mm-hmm. very good dogs that did. And it was, it was just the chain of events. Yeah. You know, shit happens. Yeah, I no, mean, that's true. That, that saying is 
alive and well in police work. <laughs> and it's certainly alive yeah. and well in canine world. Yeah. And uh, sometimes it's not good. Now, Billy, what was the worst spot you got bit? The worst spot I got bit? Uh, what's called midsection. <laughs> oh. Below the waistline? <laughs> yeah, below the waistline. You know, midsection. Yeah, with balls. Yeah. 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 No, it was... It was more of oh. <laughs> rhymes with raft. <laughs> I just wanted to point that out. Yeah, and that was in training. That was in training. Okay. That was, really and, and I was, I was the suspect. Okay. And it was a, it was an equipment error. Shit happens. <laughs> yeah, among among a uh, a decoy error too. Like I, I, I didn't. Didn't do that good. <laughs> well, you learned. I, I learned. I learned that the dogs tend to rebite. Yeah. yeah, sometimes. Uh, um, so <laughs> yeah. if you have a suit that's uh, kind of small for you and you have to hunch down to get that midsection covered, don't stand up once the dog turns around. <laughs> yeah, because when he turns around, oh, sometimes gosh. they turn right back around. Yeah, that's right. Sorry, I just I just wanted to point that out. I didn't mean to. Yeah, no, he no, it doesn't embarrass me. It got me good. <laughs> <laughs> Actually. Didn't get me that like wasn't a solid bite, but uh, enough. but enough in the in in a very sensitive area yes. to be like okay. <laughs> I forgot about put that. you in check, dude, uh-huh. sir. Dog, put you you, in check. you win this one. <laughs> Makes you feel good about your leg marks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you're yeah. like man, these suits work well. After that, you're like yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, let's uh, if you don't mind, maybe sure. sharing some uh, stories that maybe stand out to you. Well, actually, I just want to say if if you want to get into canine and you want to know more about canine, I think uh, I never I, I plan on getting to canine and that was one of my goals. And I just kind of got the opportunity to go the detective route. But um, while I was trying to get into canine, I would go to training and yeah. taking a bite. And being being the suspect, yeah. I think you learn oh. so much from that. And if you're yeah. a handler who has never taken a bite, I don't know how that's possible or if that it's is possible. even possible. Um, please, like, I mean, you got it. You got to take bites and lots of them and you or not taking bites, too. Sometimes it's just hiding. And you do uh, learn a lot. Yeah. From I've learned. And, and patrol officer, if you don't want to get in the canine, but you want to be that guy who's chosen and you want to know what dogs are doing just in general, because as an officer, we, we want to know what everyone's doing. And, uh, I just, it's great. Just go to your canine department or your one canine officer, whatever is and be like, Hey, how can I help? Yeah. No, that's a good point. You do learn a lot. Hiding's great. Yeah. Yeah. I learned a lot. You learn about flashlight usage. You learn about noise. You learn about all these things unrelated to the dog issue. Right. Where, you know, even if you're hiding for, for SWAT, you know, you're hiding for a SWAT team. You will learn so much being the bad guy uh, that, that you can't even imagine. Mm-hmm. Things that you don't even think about until you do it. Yeah. Go, wow. I that's true. A whole lot. Yeah. So and that's uh, how I used to run from cops because no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, is that why you came in all sweaty? Yeah, yeah. I came in all sweaty. Like, oh, got, got they, they were close, man. Yeah, yeah. I um, made uh, lefts instead of rights. Yeah. <laughs> don't Let, go right. If you don't mind, maybe share some stories that stand out to you as a dog handler. Maybe some, you know, uh, apprehensions that you had, or if you were involved in some major critical incident as a dog handler. Uh, are there any stories to you that that stand out? There, there's, there's so many that stand out, but um, wow. I know it's a tough question. It is. I'll tell you a funny one first. Yeah. Uh, Hollywood division pull up middle of the day and they've got a containment on a large apartment building right off the 101 Hollywood freeway. 
And it's a huge apartment building. It's probably six stories. I mean, there's hundreds of units. It's, it's, it's huge. And a, a striving model and Hollywood actress got her purse snatched. And she's she's a very attractive lady. And she tells us her story. And <laughs> she goes, the guy ran into that apartment building. And uh, and every cop within 10 miles was there. Yeah. <laughs> we got it. She's secure. Uh, and she says, he ran in that apartment building. The perimeter is yeah. around the apartment building. And uh, so we, we're going to go search the apartment building. It's my, me, my dog, and one other handler. And we go in the apartment building, knowing that this is probably a there's very little chance mm. of us finding this guy in this apartment building. So we check the stairwells, we check the common areas, the laundry rooms, the, the storage rooms, and we run the hallways hoping we'll get lucky and we're not getting anything. And, uh, all of a sudden an old, an old lady says, officers, officers, we go, Oh yes, ma'am. I need to talk to you. And I'll st- I can speak freely here of what she said, right? No, absolutely. Oh, yeah. She goes, you need to go to apartment 521. They're a bunch of assholes. <laughs> and we're yeah, like, got it. And we're like, okay. <laughs> she goes, they're criminals. They're criminals. They're always up there. And we're like, okay, well, thank you, ma'am. You know, yeah. We kind of brush it off a little bit. And then we get to the fifth floor and we're running the hallway. And there's 521. We said, what the heck? Let's yeah. door knock it. See, yeah. what, see yeah. what happens, you know? And we door knock it and a, a girl answers and she, it, her eyes, you can see it. She knows something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, she's got giving you those big eyes and, and we're like, oh my gosh, you know, we knew it immediately. Yeah. This is going to lead to something. And we said, Hey, uh, our dog brought us to your door. <laughs> Who else is in here? <sighs> oh, he's in the closet. No, no <laughs> I mean, just like that. And we go into the closet pull him out of the closet. He's got the, the purse in his hand. I no mean, shit. And we hook him up, take him out, and we are heroes. Yeah, you look like We stars. look like superstars. Yeah. And, we, and we didn't do it. I mean, this was all that, old you know, lady. that old lady down there who we call Mrs. Kravitz from the old uh, TV show in the 60s, Bewitched, where there was a, a nosy neighbor named Mrs. Kravitz. That was Mrs. Kravitz. She knew everybody in the apartment building. She knew that that was a problem. And and we look like superstars and people are coming up to the dog and going, oh my gosh, your yeah. dog did that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 You're actually dragging the dog. <laughs> yeah, you're like, come on. We got and, we just, and you know, the victim, she's happy. She's better the dog. Oh, this is the dog that found him. Yep, he yeah, he got him, you know? And so that's kind of, that was a, a funny one that comes to mind. But there's just so many where you'd pull up to the scene and, you know, it's just this huge area and you're going, I don't know, we'll see. And you do the systematic search and your dog would take you places that you wouldn't have gone. Mm-hmm. And and so I, I mean, I could give you dozens of those, but the dog is taking someplace that you would not have gone. This is where you're searching and your dog is taking you that way. Mm-hmm. And you go, he's smarter than me, yeah. <laughs> you know, let's follow him. And I remember following my dog across streets and going into a front yard that we would have never touched and pull him out of a bush. Yeah. And you go, are you kidding me? That was outside the perimeter. So they told us he is over here. And that's something I stress in my classes because of seeing that so many times, not just my dog, many of the dogs would, you know, we're working over here. We're being told he's over here and the dog takes you over there and he's in custody. 
And it's an important uh, lesson for patrol officers that yeah. just because you think he's over here, it doesn't mean he's not behind you. And, uh, and the dogs are just, you know, they're not listening to that briefing. Yeah. You know, they're, they're just going, I'm going where my nose takes me. Yeah. And just watching that so many times, that was one of the most rewarding things. Yeah. I'm sure. I, I know you experienced that. And I don't, oh, yeah. we didn't even talk about yeah. this. I know you experienced that because yeah, every lot. canine handler has, and you just, your jaw drops and you just go, wow, that's why we have them. And yeah. that's why we tell perimeter officers, you're, you are an important role, but you also have to be safe because yeah. I, there have been times when the suspect's been found either at the foot of a freaking perimeter officer yeah. or right nearby. Yes. Um, yeah, that's a crucial role. So, and that's, that's why. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to trust yeah. your dog's nose. We're like, talking talk about the, I know we're going to shift gears at some point and go into air ops and your expectations, but as a seasoned canine handler, what is your expectations of patrol officers on a perimeter? Or is that, do you think we'll cover this? Do your job. No, this is a good time. Don't job. be the most interesting thing in a search and you shouldn't get bit. <laughs> this is an important question. And it's, well, I'd love to talk about it. Um, if you're a perimeter unit, you just have to remember your job. You're an observation post and a deterrent. You're deterring somebody from coming out and crossing that street from where you're at. And you're watching and listening and observing and absorbing everything. Mm -hmm. And your job is not to search and your job is not to get in there and screw up the scent. Uh, cause it can, it can screw it up. Uh, there are patrol officers that go in and search a little bit and come back. Yeah. And it's like canine handlers would prefer that you don't do that because now your scent's in there and it kind of can confuse the dog a little bit, but a good seasoned dog worked through that, you know, uh, but not every dog is a good seasoned dog. Some yeah. of them are brand new, you mm -hmm. know? Um, so we want to keep it pristine. So I would say that that perimeter units just have to remember their role and remember that without you on that containment, the canine search or the SWAT search or the patrol search doesn't happen. And your job is the most important job in that perimeter. And I, I say that sincerely mm -hmm. because if you don't do your job right, yeah, that's true. they're not going to find the guy because the guy's going to walk out of there and get away. And the best dog in the world and the best SWAT team in the world is going to come up empty and go, Hey, sorry, he's not in there. Well, he was, but the perimeter was doing a half-ass job or the perimeter unit was sleeping or the perimeter unit was on their phone or the perimeter unit just wasn't interested and doing what they need to do, which yeah. is contain and be an observation post. I, I can tell you, one of my first finds, my first find was a guy hiding in a doghouse. I'll never forget that. <laughs> uh, Ironic. Ironic. Don't hide yeah. from a dog in a doghouse. That's right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but my second find was on a huge perimeter. We were, we should have been home by now. Uh, and it was me and my canine trainer, Joe Vita. And it's a big perimeter. And I don't remember what it was for, it doesn't matter, but we were gonna search a few yards and call it. It's one of those, we're gonna show up, hey guys, we're gonna knock out a few yards and then we're all gonna go home. Yeah, Cause yeah, the chance of him being a hero was zero yeah. based on the story we heard. And they agreed. And then all of a sudden a perimeter unit, caddy cornered at the opposite end of this block, gets on the air and says, hey canine, I just had a motion light go on. Yeah, perfect. And we're like, okay, he goes, I've been sitting here for an hour and all of a sudden this motion light went on. I'm just letting you know. Uh, and we go, 
What the heck? Go over there, in custody in that yard. Suspect in custody, just like that. From a perimeter unit, paying attention. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's so bizarre. That, that officer was Cole Burdett, who ends up being one of the best tactical flight officers at air support, chief tactical flight officer, now retired. I mean, we ended up becoming friends. I didn't know him at that time. Uh, but I, I learned later, I met him that night and thanked him for, for you know, speaking up. But that, that's a great example. Yeah. If he's just sitting in his car, you know, closing his eyes, or if he's sitting in his car on his phone or on the MDT or something, I don't get that fine. We, we go home and that guy gets away that night. The perimeter units are important. They yeah. don't feel like it. Sometimes they, they, they think, oh, SWAT, canine, it's all the glamour. Nah. I think they feel left out. Like, yeah, I, I'm on a perimeter. And I understand that. Like, I'm not important in yeah. this scenario. And, and yeah, like you are, you are like vital. Oh, in, so important. In apprehending bad guys. And, and yeah, you know, touching on that, motion lights, dogs barking in yes. backyards. Chain link fences. Yeah, you hear the Ching, sound. Ching, yeah. You know, whoa, what's breaking. Like, <laughs> man, if you're on a perimeter, you got to get on the radio and put that stuff out. That yep. doesn't mean you go out actively searching those areas. Oh, that means you just, don't. yeah, you get on the radio, you put that out, and then, hey, look, the handler is now given that information. The search team has been given the information. Yeah, but how do I get the credit if, I mean. <laughs> well, yeah. like, I mean, so like, if he was like, hey, I'm going to go grab him. First of all, the dog handler's always going to get the credit. I don't know. Yeah, no. It's true. I, I I was taught early on when things like that happen, you better go yeah. give them credit. Yeah, and and I did, and that's how I met. Cool. Yeah. I mean, uh, who, who's I'm still friends with today. That was 1992. You know, it's like crazy. Yeah, uh, the, the how you cross paths, and but the things that bring people together, and but uh, that's a great example. Uh, I remember a, a lights a front porch light flicking off and on. What's that all about? And that was an air unit uh, told us, hey, there's a light front porch and we're on a canine search. And we go to that house and door knock it and they go, he's in my backyard. <laughs> when you call 911? Yeah. We don't I call the cops around here. Because it's Mark's <laughs> <and> SOS. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Pre cell phone days, yeah. duh. Yeah. It, but again, you gotta be paying attention. You're not gonna notice no, that. No, that, that is a hundred. Yeah, that is freaking true. And, and honestly, I don't care if you work in a huge city like LA yep. or a small city. Doesn't or, I mean, it doesn't matter. Like it's it, the principle is the same. It is. So, uh, I mean, honestly, we could probably sit here and talk about canine stuff oh. forever and, and the value that comes with it. But it's um, great value it, uh, overall. Like, if you guys get the opportunity to work with dogs or in a canine unit, it is it is so valuable. I mean, it, it really can save your life someday. Uh, and the tactics that are applied with it and, and if done correctly, it, the apprehension rate is huge. Um, so Very how true. many dogs, uh, did you say LAPD has, um, at the time when I was in the nineties, it was 15 to 18. Uh, that was all, uh, hunting dogs. That, those are dogs for man work, patrol dogs, patrol yeah. dogs. Those are, those are dogs that are hunting suspects every night the narcotics dogs were separate unit bomb dogs were a separate unit yeah. there was no cross training but um, just patrol you just patrol dogs 18 15 to 18 15. was the, the magic number you know to tell you the truth i don't know what it is today but i i'm pretty sure it's not many more than that uh you would think it'd be a lot yeah i would actually i i actually i think it'd be more than because how many yeah. helicopters or did you say you had 17 <laughs> <laughs> you know well a helicopter per dog. That's how they calculate. Yeah, it. they must. Oh, wow. No. The math seems right. Yeah. I mean, San Diego PD, there was a time when they had 40 dogs. Wow. You know? wow. Uh, but 
the, the difference was they were they were handling radio calls too. A lot of them were handling radio calls. When you the, the eighteen dogs in L.A., all you did was search. You didn't go to any calls. You'd go to backups and you'd go to pursuits, obviously, to jump in the conga line for the termination. But you, that's all you did was search. Yeah. You didn't have to handle radio calls. And we're, we're lucky too, like here in our region where we work, all of the agencies, yeah. um, you know, that's, that's all we did as a, yeah. as a dog handler. Like you're not going to call, you, yeah. you know, you'll be backup on some calls, sure. but you're not primary. Yeah, you just get to go hunt bad guys. And jurisdictions, you know, don't really <laughs> exist for us. I yeah. mean, like no, yeah. in this area, you, you can all of a sudden be working with a, with a, the we, sheriff's department's yeah. working with a PD dog and the PD's working with a sheriff's department dog and, or PD's working with a different PD dog, even out of county, I'm sure at some point. Oh, yeah. I, it's just like, hey, who's got a dog? Yeah. Yeah. I saw that a lot. And coming up over the years, I went on ride alongs and I'd hang out with the canine training and I'd go up in the air units with with your guys and with and just see it from above and just go, wow, the interagency workings are really impressive. And uh it, it just, you know, it's good. It's good. That's the way it should yeah. be. And that, and that's why it is important to have like standards and training, I think. Um, well, obviously they, they're, everyone's going to be a little bit different and we've all worked for different agencies. So like some, some of the stuff that, you know, Mark tells me that they, they do, I'm like, that's, that's stupid. And I'm sure he sits there and goes, that's, I can't believe you guys do that. That's the dumbest thing ever. Um, but when it comes to canine, I think that there, there are some standards that need to be kept and course every dog's different every handler is different and every department's different yeah but um it's it's good to know that a dog from you know i i'm guessing a dog from la could come up here and and we could be like hey i need a dog and they'd be like got it and it worked just fine i agree yeah i think I in agree. the can i think in the canine world the tactics in in a search you know obviously outside of a tracker or, or whatever but like an area search um you know should are probably going to be the same yeah or should be um, you know how, it, especially if you're like throwing multiple dogs into a search, that that takes a lot of game planning right. and communication. Um, you know, offsetting dogs and how you're going to search all these yards. But um, I think I do think that if you got a bunch of handlers together, that like, and you game plan that, like, I think everyone's probably going to be on the same page. Mm-hmm. That's the unique thing I think about canine is, yeah. um, if you do it right, I mean, there's there is a right way and a, and a wrong way to do searches. Sure, um, I, I believe. So, um, you know what, we should probably do a freaking whole episode on, on canines and searches and, uh, be, uh there is so much to learn from it. It's, yeah. it's insane. It is. It's, um, it's, it's, it's overwhelming. It that is was the a cool bit, thing yeah. about it too. I mean, in my, my, my five years was a blip on the radar screen compared to most canine handlers that do a long, lot longer, but that five years was, I learned more in that five years than, than yeah. the rest of my career combined about a lot of things about, what suspects do, what they don't do, what they, where they hide. I yeah. thought I knew everything. <laughs> I, I came out of a you know, very busy patrol area. I thought I knew everything. I found out quickly. I didn't know anything. You yeah. know? And, and it was like, wow, this, this is what's teaching me. Uh, just being around this dog and going on the hunt and watching where we find them, where they're last seen, where we find them, where they're last seen, where we find them. And you just learn stuff. Yeah. That you just didn't get exposed to as a patrol guy. I mean, you just yeah. didn't, uh, no. even in a busy area, you just didn't see it. So there's a, you know, canine is a special, a special place. There's a lot of people that are, you know, dedicated to that, that do it for, I don't know how they do it for so long. I, I just talked to a friend in Idaho that has been doing it for 12 years. And he called me to tell me that, uh, Hey, I'm not gonna, I'm going to leave canine. Uh, my time's up. 
And, and we talked about, you know, you know, when it's time to walk away, 12 years of canine is a long time. Yeah. You know, that's a lot of hunts. That's a lot of training. It's a lot of dedication. Um, it's a lot of dogs too. Yeah. It's it, at it least two, probably at least two. That's, that's probably right. that's more close to three. Could, a, a patrol could cop, three. Yeah. a patrol cop gets to take his duty belts off, uh, and get in his car and drive home for the night and leave work behind uh, a canine handler. You're bringing your work home with you. The dog goes with you yeah. for the, for, for agencies that bring their dog home. Most, yeah. most do I'm sure. Most but do, yeah. I mean, it is with you 24 seven. It is, it is a serious commitment. Yeah, um, it is, you know, so, and if you are thinking about wanting to be a dog handler, I would get together with your canine guys and talk about those things, yeah. you know, don't just talk about the fun things. You, you should talk about like the uh, negative impact that it may potentially have on your life because it is a huge commitment to your, for your whole family. Um, yeah. And I mean, and I know of handlers who've had dogs that are, that are great apprehension dogs, but not good family dogs. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's, that's definitely something that you have to be like, look, I'm in many cases, you're not going to get the choice of your dog. You know, it, it could trainer, be just yeah. be like, Hey, this is, this is the dog that we have, or this is what we think is the best. And it's going to be patrol the best wise, the patrol wise, they're, they're great. But, uh, you know, like, Oh, you have an infant child. Like, Hey, <laughs> you might want to, you might want to lock your kid up or yeah. your dog up or, or both. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You yeah, know, that dog. these shouldn't, these things shouldn't meet sometimes. So, yeah. I mean, those are, and that's a burden. Like, uh, you know, yeah. having a, having something that lives you at your house. Vacation? Guess what? You better figure out what you're doing with right. your dog. I mean, it's not, it, it is a serious commitment. So well, I mean, imagine having two things that live at your house that are living things that can't be around each other. Yeah. Like that is a burden that happens to a <laughs> lot of officers. I was like, yeah, I thought leave the wife too. out of it. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just teasing. Oh, that's funny. Uh, Stephanie, I'm just kidding. You're watching this. Uh, all right. Well, Hey, listen, we could talk about canine stuff forever. It, it's like you said, best, best part of my career thus far was, was being a, being a dog handler. So um, let's take a break. And when we get back from the break, let's answer some questions from the listeners and if you don't mind, oh, that'd be great. And uh, we'll jump into air offs and, and talk about that. I think the I think the bulk of probably your class and and uh, what you have to offer is comes from air ops and the mistakes that cops make. And you can see that from, you know, a bird's eye view. You can. So let's jump into that and we get back from our break. All right, guys, welcome back. Before we kick it off with going into air ops and, and your more in depth in your class. We did ask some listeners on the show uh, to s- submit some questions if they had any for you. And so we did get, get quite a few. We kind of weeded them down to, um, I think I have probably seven or eight here that I, that I kept. Okay. Um, Can so, I answer them? No, you can't. <laughs> Damn answer it. You, what if I know play. the answer? I want to win. We need a <laughs> the first person. All right. I guess you're getting that question. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's start out with this first one here, which, um, I usually I leave the names out of questions if we ask yes, whatever, but, uh-huh. but this one, um, I, I am going to throw Jason uh, Miller under the bus on this one. Who's actually hosting your class for you, uh, because he wants to be a smart ass and ask why I'm not attending your class tomorrow. And the answer to that is I've actually been to your class twice. I've already told you that. So, yeah. Yeah. um, anyways, and why not tomorrow? Uh, well, I actually have to go pick up my kids from school. <laughs> I got dad. I got this, uh, that thing. Uh, I got that thing with that guy. Yeah, you, you remember, know, you know, that, that one thing, you know, I have child clear issues tomorrow too. Yeah, I yeah. Would. But Hey, I have to edit this show to put it out on Thursday, the day uh-huh. after tomorrow. So, okay. so that's, that's the biggest excuse, but, uh, I think that's, but I told uh, you I'm sending, fair. I told you I am sending, I think five 
patrol guys do. The Kyle, that's fair. That's okay. a fair answer. All right, cool. So thanks, Jason. Yeah. Good um, question though, Jason. Let's see here. Uh, uh, have you, or do you know of any, uh, of anybody that in air ops, um, that have had to land their helicopter to go help an officer? Yes. Yes. Really? Oh yeah. Uh, that I was not too. a regular like, I mean, occurrence for our department. It was frowned upon. And the bottom line is in the city of Los Angeles, that would be a really unusual that's what thing I was thinking, yeah. because backup is, is close. Yeah. However, there's a lot of departments that fly rural areas. San Bernardino County, great example. San Diego County, great example. They've landed Kern County. many times. Kern County. They land officers in a wrestling match by themselves. They'll land. No kidding. TFO hop out uh, and, and go assist. I can think of one or two cases that we had um, where it was kind of remote and it would have taken a while and they were able to justify an offsite landing, TFO gets out and assists somebody that's in trouble by themselves. Hmm. But uh, but many departments nationwide I do it. Uh, there's some that I've seen on on videos of that where they shouldn't have. <laughs> it's insane, <laughs> it's, it's amusing. But there's certainly cases where uh, that's happened, yeah. Hmm. Interesting, all right. This is from uh, another one I'm gonna call out, Brandon. And before I ask you this, I actually had to go on Google and make sure that this wasn't something crazy or weird. Um, but Blue Thunder or Airwolf? Oh, Blue Thunder. Blue Thunder, for sure. And tell everybody what it is, because yeah, I didn't know what it Blue was. Blue Wolf either. sounds awesome. Well, let's see, what, what, what year were you born? Airwolf. It's Airwolf. Yeah. I was born yeah. in But hey, Blue Wolf sounds pretty Blue Wolf is pretty right. Yeah. I'm going with Blue Wolf. So, <laughs> Option C. So, yeah. Blue Thunder <laughs> is a movie that came out in probably 83. Okay, so uh, Mark Roy time. Scheider uh, was the star. And it was actually filmed at LAPD Air Support, Celeport, no before kidding. the heliport actually opened for business. It's finished, and the movie people obviously paid a, a good sum of money to to use it. Hmm. And they actually added to it. And, but uh, there were some maps in our roll call room for years that were from the movie set. Uh, wow. So Blue Thunder was a like a uh, a modern a modern day test program of a it looked like a cobra or an Apache that they were going to use for law enforcement <laughs> and they were testing it and it's a great it's a really entertaining movie but it has segments of reality of uh the, like the, the term jaffo have you ever heard that jaffo no uh just another fucking observer oh, right. <laughs> that's from the movie uh but it was real it's from that's what they used to say uh uh, for all those Jaffos out there. Yeah, yeah. for all you Jaffos out there. I'm, I know Jaffo several. Wants, you know? Yeah. I'm going to uh, call them out. So, uh, but that Airwolf was uh, a different a mm. different kind of show. Uh, but it was, those were two. Uh, one was a TV show. Blue Thunder was a movie. Okay. Good movie. You should watch it. All it's right. entertaining. All right. So there, there's your answer, Brandon. And yes, I did verify what it was <laughs> that you were asking. Uh, have you ever been outrun uh, in a pursuit of a vehicle that you were trying to observe? Wow. Close, very, very close to being outrun. Well, what's um, the, what is the speed of of, of the aircraft? I know depends. they're all different. But. Yeah, it depends which aircraft you're in. Uh, but a jet ranger, you know, full of fuel and two people on it, you can't go as fast as you think. I mean, uh, it's not going 100 miles an hour. Uh, so 
So if you have a motorcycle, for instance, on a freeway mm-hmm. at zero four hundred, there's a there's a chance they can get away. The plus is that you can shoot straight line and get rid of the curves yeah. and stay with them. And the other plus is nothing outruns a radio. So yeah. you know as long as you're saying the right things. Uh, you're not going to lose it, but it, it came close. And there are people, I know that there are people that have lost, lost cars in pursuits because of the speed. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It can, depending on the aircraft you got and depending on the conditions. Well, that's why you're a legend. So no, <laughs> the answer is no. I got one that's off that. You go. What's Shoot. your scariest moment of being in a helicopter, either observer or pilot? Oh, that's easy. Uh, as an instructor pilot teaching new pilots how to fly. I've had friends try to kill me, Uh, you know, not intentionally, of course, but where I thought, are you kidding me? You just try to kill me. I mean, I I can think of one person I will not name him, but he was a very good, very good TFO, switched the seats to pilots. He's doing auto rotations where intentionally touchdown auto rotations where you turn the engine to flight idle and you now land on a runway, a nice big runway. And he's doing them so well that I'm sitting there in the seat next to him with my arms crossed. I mean, he's just greasing them. And then on the like 10th one, he tries to kill us. I mean, where he just does something completely out of character and completely different than the previous nine. And, and he starts to flare really early and that, that will kill you. I mean, where you'll just sink like a rock at the very end and crash and burn and, and I had to grab the controls, do some some of that pilot shit, yeah. <laughs> and and we got on the ground safely. That I remember that vividly. And did you chew his ass out? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. To this day, if I see him, I chew his ass out. <laughs> Sounds like he deserved it. <laughs> he he deserves it. Yes. Um. I, I, <laughs> so this is not a question, and, and I I also know this individual that sent this to me, and I and I told him I was going to call him out, and that's uh, Richard from a local agency around here, uh, because I asked for questions, and he sends me this. I'm going to his class on Wednesday. So thank you. That that's awesome. That's yeah, no, awesome. Yeah. That's <laughs> awesome that you're going. Good. Uh, and by the time this airs, he would have had already obviously gone to the class. So we hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we I hope, hope so you too. got, hope I'll, you got I'll call him. I'll call him Richard tomorrow. Yeah. Say, Hey yeah. Richard, thanks. Yeah. Thanks for that statement. Thanks for the shout out. Yeah. Yeah. Thank <laughs> you. <for> coming. <laughs> Make sure he's in attendance. Just yeah, check yeah. his name. Yeah. Richard, you know just do Richard. attendance and just Richard. do Richard. Yeah. <laughs> just Richard. Richard. Yeah. One more time. Richard. <laughs> Yeah. Dick. I told him too. I said, Hey, I'm going to make fun of you on that one. Uh, okay. Uh, what prior, what prior experience do you need to join air ops? Wow. That is a, a loaded question yeah. in that every single department in the United States of America is different. Mm. Every single one's different. There are agencies that require you to have a, uh, a rotorcraft, you know, license. Uh, there are agencies that, just want a fixed wing license and a certain number of hours. That's what we had for a long time. Um, and then they'll train you to fly the helicopter. Mm-hmm. So I cannot answer that. It's going to be agency, agency, to agency. Yes. Okay. And Fair more enough. agencies than not are going to require you to have a lot of your flight experience already done. And to, but what about just to be a TFO, a tactical flight officer? You That's know, a whole different sometimes thing. Sometimes you have to have any experience, right? Absolutely. That's there's there's the no aviation re, uh, experience required for tactical flight officer. If you have some, it will obviously enhance your your abilities because you're used to seeing things from that perspective. Mm-hmm. But it has nothing to do with the job. It, it, tactical flight officer is all about 
communication, mm-hmm. tactics, coordination, yeah. uh, command presence, uh, all these other things, navigation, um, all sorts of things that have nothing to do with flying that aircraft. Uh, the pilot is the chauffeur. Okay. You know, I'm going where the TFO takes me, tells me to go. So for TFO, people should get as much patrol, real life patrol experience as they can, tactical experience. And if they're a good communicator, they got a good shot at, at uh, that job. Now, with that said, some people get up in a helicopter and they, they constantly, they puke constantly. They're, they're not made for their job, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. or they can't find their own house. I mean, you know, and, and probably not going to make a good TFO. They're not, they're not going to make a good TFO. Yeah. But people that are map oriented uh, and, you know, they like maps as a kid. I like maps as a kid. Uh, it, it just kind of comes naturally. A lot of it's a natural ability. Mm. And for our younger officers or uh, listeners, a map was this piece of paper. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yes. it folded a bunch yeah, of times. Yes, it and uh, it's not, it digital. had uh, sometimes it had different colors, but for the most yeah. part, it, you know, G yeah. five. Yeah. All right. Fine. G and the five. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. There it is. Thomas yeah. guides. Yeah, Thomas oh, guides. Yeah. yeah. We, we still use Thomas guides to, for training mm-hmm. uh, because computers fail. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> computers lock up. Now you got to find that help call with somebody screaming, saying shots fired, shots fired. He's running northbound and you're going, Oh, the computer locked up. I guess we can't go. No, yeah, <laughs> you're no. going, yeah. you know, you got to get there. So yeah. you better be able to grab that map book and say, okay, partner, here's where it is. Head that way and navigate. So yeah. that's why that's right. still important. And, and I'm sure this will be brought up multiple times, but if, if you work for an agency that has air ops and they allow you the opportunity to go up and observe and oh, just yeah. go for a ride, I would. do it and do it and listen and learn. But uh, look outside because I've done it multiple times and you're like, oh, I know, I know this neighborhood better than, you know, I know my own neighborhood. And sure enough, you get over and you're like, where, where are we? Yeah. Like everything easy. looks completely different. Sometimes yeah. you're like, what street is this? And they're like, that's uh that's highway 80. You're like, Oh, I've heard of that yeah. one. I had a trainer, a very good trainer. This is what's the rule. I don't care if it's your own house. You look it up in the map book mm-hmm. and confirm it, uh, where you're going to go and what you're going to say. And I thought, Oh, that's silly. You know, I listened to it and I I followed it most of the time. And then I remember one night and I was with him. It was in 77th. I know 77th, like the back of my hand, uh, because I worked there, you know, and two streets come out and I go, oh, two two West Crenshaw, blah, 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 blah. I tell him right here. And we're circling. And I get on the radio and say, hey, guys, I got nothing in this intersection. (laughs) Yeah, that's because we're one West of the air. And I'm like, oh, crap. You know, and he just looks at me and goes, Remember that? I said, yes, yes, I remember that rule. Even if it's your own house, look it up. He was right because I was off by a block and I looked stupid. I'm sure all those. And there was somebody down in the intersection, by the way. There's somebody laying in the middle of an intersection (laughs) and I'm just not looking at it, you know, off by a block. Nah, that could be make the difference. Yes. Okay, last question. Okay. Let me pull it up here. Uh, and we, you already kind of touched on this, but do air ops guys start out with a flying background first or a police background, then get into aviation? Again, it's going to be agency specific, okay. but most, the vast majority of agencies, they want the, the police background. There are agencies that hire pilots from outside and they become non-sworn pilots. There's some that go through an abbreviated academy. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff across yeah, the country. I've heard of that. Uh, it's bizarre. Some of the things, uh, Florida has a lot where they uh, they have uh, pilots from outside come in and they give them some training. But uh, 
for the California folks, it's pretty much you're a deputy or an officer for a period of time, and then you can start applying. Yeah. Um, because it's kind of goes back to the military. I know the, the Marine Corps used to do this. I don't know if they still do, but they would send, you know, the, the, the folks that in the Marines that fly close air support, they're, they're Marines first. Yeah. And, and the reason for that is, is obvious. You've got to understand the tactics and what it's like to be in that hole before you're up here in that helicopter or jet. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah. Now, the more patrol experience you have, the more, the better you're going to be as a TFO because you're going to understand what that person wants, what they need, how to talk to them, mm-hmm. how not to talk to them. <laughs> uh, so, uh, most are going to be kind of get some patrol time in. Ours was five years before you could even apply. Yeah, I don't have a problem with that. That's yeah. good. Canine was the same. SWAT was the same. It was a time period. And that's a larger department. Some smaller departments are going to be two years, maybe, or three years. I understand that because they have, it, but on a large department, I think five years is. That's that's a good idea. I think so. I think so too. Shit, nowadays it's uh, I'm off probation. I'm going to put in for SWAT or exactly. canine. You're like, what? Yeah, yeah. that's just. Anyways, that's a whole freaking generational. That's a whole nother episode. But it is. <laughs> anyways, um, all right. Well, that that was uh, the last question. Thank no, you. That's good. Yeah, thank you for everybody that submitted your questions. We appreciate Especially it. Especially Jason. That was a great question. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah thanks, Jason. Too. Make me look like an idiot. So um, you're, you're a legend in in the air industry for perimeters. You wrote a book. What, what we want to ask is what are some common mistakes that you're seeing or what you saw that right. cops were doing? Okay. That's, uh, it's a very, that's a common question and it's an important question because there are, there is an, it's an international thing. It's not just cops in California or cops in the United States. It's cops around the world. They make certain errors when it comes to containment. Yeah. And the main error that is made is that, Officers get into this routine where uh, they set up a certain size perimeter, no matter what the circumstances are. That's a mistake because you can you can set up one or two block perimeters every night for a year, and for grand theft auto or for burglary or for uh, you know burglar for motor vehicle or for assault, and now you have an officer down. You set up a one or two block perimeter for that guy. There is zero chance you're going to catch him. <laughs> that, yeah. that guy, he's not hiding in, in the bushes. So, the, so my, the simple answer is that most officers get caught up where they don't adjust fire to the cir- totality of the circumstances. And then the size of the perimeter suffers. And the number one complaint by canine handlers internationally is when it comes to perimeters, too They're small. too small. Yeah. Everybody, I don't care if you're in Australia, the Netherlands, Belgium, Slovenia. I don't care where you are. Canine handlers say the same thing. Perimeters are too small. And they're right because we get into this, oh, he's going to be right here mentality. Where's that rule? I, I, I've never seen that rule. He's got to be right here? No. The, the, it, it depends on what he's wanted for. If, if you just shot at the police... The chance of you hiding in that first bush, it's 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 about zero. It really is. The chance of you hitting by lightning is greater than finding that guy in that first bush. Yeah. It's just that's just reality. And and we forget that. And I think it has to do with adrenaline, it has to do with emotion, but the main thing it has to do with is routine and and doing the same thing over and over, sometimes having great success, by the way. Yeah. Uh, my department was guilty of that. Uh, you know, they set great perimeters. LAPD was 
fantastic at setting perimeters, very average at managing the perimeter. Um, long, we could, that, we could talk for hours on that. But the biggest thing that I, that I would go crazy about is when the word shots fired would happen, they wouldn't change the size of that perimeter. They go, I need a two block perimeter. Wait, there were shots fired. That guy's not going to be in two blocks. That guy's different. Mm-hmm. And if you don't recognize that that guy's different, maybe something's wrong. You're, you're, you're missing, you're missing out on something. That's, that's the biggest thing. And so I spent a lot of time in the class talking about critical incidents and I explain it and say, Hey, I, I know I hype, I harp on criminal uh, critical incidents, yeah. but it's, there's a reason for it yeah. because we make mistakes more often when the adrenaline is flowing even more. Yeah, I mean, yeah. We all do. I've made more than my share and every mistake I talk about in class I have made, including getting into that pigeonhole or one block, one block, two blocks, two blocks, two blocks. Oh, we better make it bigger. And uh, so, you know, there's a lot of issues, but that's the one that I like to emphasize because that is very common, very common international. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, I hear it when I was in Australia, I had canine guys tell me that when I'm in Europe, guys tell me, Canada, they say the same thing as, as cops in California and cops in Alabama and cops in Michigan. And they all say the same thing. Perimeters need to be bigger. So, uh, and especially when it's a critical incident. Yeah. yeah. And I, I actually touch on the Boston bombing perimeter and I, I make fun of it a little bit uh, because it, they made, made it so small. I mean, those guys were the most wanted guys on the planet that at, that, at that time. Yeah. I mean, it's absolutely true. There was no one on the planet mm-hmm. that was wanted more than those two brothers uh, for the Boston bombing. And that perimeter started at three blocks. I said three block perimeters for Grand Theft Auto. I mean, how do you even think that? But in, in defense of those initial officers, it's not part of the culture of that department. They, they don't set perimeters. We, we think about perimeters and go, oh, yeah, we set perimeters. You go to my home state of Pennsylvania and you say perimeter. There's people in the audience that say, what is that? And then you explain it. They go, oh, yeah, we did that one time. They don't do it routinely. Hmm. So when, when the big one hits, Boston Bomber, they didn't know what to do. And it wasn't their fault. It's their department's fault for not training them and saying, hey, we got to be prepared. We might not set perimeters every night because we're not big enough. But the big one comes. Little did they know that it would be the biggest one, one of the biggest ones in the United States history. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't know that, that that would lead to that. And But it's a good example of... Uh, you don't know. You just don't know what's going to happen. And they had unlimited assets. I've never had unlimited assets. None of you have. I know it. I, yeah. We never had unlimited assets. They did. They did. They had busloads of coppers and troopers and agents responding to that perimeter. Yeah. Because the whole world was in Boston looking for these idiots. Mm-hmm. You know, so they had no excuse except that they just didn't know, you know, what to do. And because they don't do it routinely and... And that's not the street coppers' fault. I would never ridicule them. Uh, it's their department for not thinking about that. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And then that along the lines of the perimeter thing, I think one of the biggest—I uh, don't know if it's an excuse or um, or whatever—is that uh, well, we don't have the resources to set perimeters. And you know, I was talking to Jeff Myers, you know, from from Hits and uh, it, on his podcast, and it's like, dude. You, you can get the resources. If you, right. First of all, if you ask for it, you, you're probably going to get it. And, and depending on what the situation is, you're definitely going to get it, especially in an officer down, you know, or shooting or whatever. But 
Uh, and I think that even if you work at an apartment with maybe two, three cops on, on the street, which a, a lot of departments Absolutely. are that size, there are ways to set containment up on something, <clears throat> even with two or three guys. Exactly. Uh, and I, and I actually show how to do that in the class. Yeah, I talk good. about it. That's good. And one of the debriefs is from Ceres, Ceres, California. Yeah, small little you agency. Know, half their department is, is wounded. One's dead. One's wound, severely wounded. One street cop and one probationer. Four people working. And half the department that night is now down. They set a containment, a great containment. Why? Because they said the right things and they said, we need everyone. Mm -hmm. And next thing you know, Little Series has the entire graveyard shift of Modesto PD there. And the entire graveyard shift of Stanislaus County Sheriff's there. And next thing you know, Series has a helicopter. It says CHP on the side, but it's theirs. Mm -hmm. And and that suspect is eventually shot and killed inside that, that containment. Uh, so I, I I dismiss the the small the small agencies that say that, and I get that a lot. Is well, it, we, it is a lot. Lot. excuse though yeah. that is often used? You know, yeah. well, we don't oh, have I've those heard, resources. I've well. heard it a thousand times, yeah. and I just say I don't want to hear it. Yeah. I don't want to hear that. Yes, you are more limited than a large department, no doubt about it. So you better be smarter. Mm-hmm. You got to be smart. You got to be better than me. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what you need to know this more than I do. I can. You know, a big department can fudge it. You can you can do it half-assed and have success. A small department, you better that first unit better go to the right place. If they don't, then it's not going to work. But can two officers hold a two-block perimeter? And the answer is yes. If they're diagonal, yeah. And they're it's a lot of work. It's tough. Would four, six, eight be better? Of course it would. But can two hold that indefinitely? And the answer is yes. And if that's all you got and you really want that guy, then do it. Give it a shot. Before you just go, oh, well, we just have two. We can't do it. Yes, you can. Diagonal deployment works. And I think that happens a lot. A lot of cops just are like, yeah, we're not going to because we don't, there's only two or three of us. Well, that's right. Yeah. Give it a shot. Yeah. Well, at some point, most perimeters are just two or three. You know, the, their resources aren't all coming at the same time. That's right. So, you know, and that's where you strategically put your first people. And then, you know, you, you obviously you're filling up the holes first. Yeah. But, you know, at some point, I think every perimeter is one, which Very is not really a perimeter, yeah, but yeah, two. You, you don't we'll say it's two. Once. Yeah. At, at some point. And maybe five seconds later, it's three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, it's ten, twenty. But whatever. But at, but at some point, that's right. There's just two people there. Exactly right, Billy. And and. That ha- I stress that in the class. The first two have to go diagonal. Even if you know 20 more are coming. If it's just the two of you, you go diagonal. If it's 20 more coming, you go diagonal. Because you're setting the tone for it. And maybe, just maybe, that guy that's running is going to pop out, see you, and go, ah, crap. Yeah. And they're going to stay, stay in that perimeter. And now... Dogs show up, SWAT shows up, whoever shows up, they do their job in custody. And it's because you went to the right spots, even though there was only two of you. Same thing with turning all your lights on and being noisy and sirens. Make that bad guy think that the world is out there, Mm -hmm. even though it's just two of you. Yeah. (laughs) I I try and stress that a lot because that question comes up in every class. Yeah, I I hear it a lot too. And and, uh, I'm on the same page with you. Like, I I think it's just kind of a poor excuse or just probably not trained pro- properly, yes. but there's a way to do it. So, um, and then the being loud and noisy, I also see cops, uh, showing up with all their lights off and you're like, dude, what are you doing? Like yeah, the whole yeah. point of uh, setting a perimeter, trying to bed these yeah. criminals down. Like you gotta be loud and visible, get all your overhead lights on your spotlights, your siren. I mean, I'll tell guys, you know, on a search, 
uh, every once in a while, hey, blurp your siren, you know, while you're on a perimeter spot, if, if you can, you know, I mean, we want them to think there's a hundred of us and there may only be four of you. That's right. It's the whole point of it. So you could teach the class more. No, if you, if you no. Because that, you, you, but, you, you, those words come, exact words come out of my mouth. Yeah. It, it's, it's important that you, you're taking term. your class twice. I know. I, I think I can. <laughs> if you didn't have childcare issues tomorrow, <laughs> yeah, made uh, he could have that yeah. clicker and I could take the day off. Yeah. I just think it comes with experience, you know, and, and uh, you see guys making these mistakes and, and if you're seeing it or if you're a patrol cop, like, uh, and you see your partner doing that, just tell them, Hey, throw your lights on or whatever. But as, as a dog handler, I would always, I would say it anyways, make sure everyone has all your lights on and hit your siren or whatever, but, Agreed. um, okay. So that kind of narrows down the, uh, perimeter, um, component of it. And, uh, honestly, I, I think if, if you, if you really want to divulge yourself into the perimeter, the stuff, which you should, uh, you know, buy your book cause it's in there. It is right. I mean, yeah. that's why you the wrote ABCs. the book. I, and I wrote it from encouragement from people. I, I wasn't going to, uh, but people encouraged me and just said, you got to do it. Nobody's getting this. No. I didn't have it in the Academy. Mm-hmm. I learned it on the job training. And in hindsight, in the beginning, I learned it from some training officers that knew nothing. You know, in hindsight, I thought, wow, these guys are really smart. And then I look back and go, oh my God, they, were, they knew nothing about it. They were just winging it. But luckily I had trainers also that really understood it and and would teach you those valuable things of, you know, head them off, head them off at the pass uh, idea. Don't all go to a determination point, go beyond the determination point. Yeah. That's a big thing. And it's a little thing. Yeah. But it's a big thing. You know what deal. I mean? Yeah. And, and uh, but a lot of it was on the job. And then canine is where I really got to see it on a nightly basis and go, wow, this is what works. This is what doesn't work. And which brought me to air support. And then I got to watch it from the air. So I've got the ground and the air and the canine search experience perspectives on this topic. And that brought together the book. Yeah. Which is basically the class, you know, it's uh, it's very similar to the class. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I teach a class and it's a lot about responding to critical incidents. And and the first thing that, that you know, a show a graph or whatever is containment. And, and it's like I always say, like without containment, like you don't really have anything. And it yeah. doesn't matter what it is. If someone's on foot in a car, in a house, it doesn't really matter. You can set containment up on virtually anything. Yep. Um, you know, and then, you know, the next step is identify what, what do you have? Like what crime do you have? What resources do you need? And then, you know, move on from there. But containment's huge. I mean, it is. It's <laughs> contain, communicate, coordinate. Yeah. And the containment's always first because once you have containment, time's on your side. Mm-hmm. Now you yeah. can to catch your breath yeah. and say, like you said, what do we got here? Yeah. Or what don't we have? Maybe it's nothing. Yep. And you go, we got nothing. <laughs> we thought we had something. We got nothing. Okay. Thanks everybody. Yeah. Break See it you down. later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and everybody leaves. Or what do we got here? Hey, this guy is wanted for murder uh, in the next county. We, we just confirmed that. All right, good. I'm glad we set three blocks for this. And then you move from there. Mm-hmm. But the containment's got to be first. Otherwise, th- these guys are not going to be in there. And the time to set a containment or a perimeter is not after you have identified what you have. And then you, and then you try to shuffle the, the puzzle pieces around and try to say, no, no, it's got to be done like immediately. Yes. And then you can figure out what you have. Well, and like you just said, if it's nothing, you break it down. Well, and, and you know, containment goes sometimes say you're behind a, a stolen car or something and you don't have to light it up right now, or it's just cruising along. Start with your containment now, like uh, start getting officers, 
in the put area in place, yeah. you put in place. Hey, let's get a couple up ahead. Maybe get your spike strips ready. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's all containment. It's, it's, yeah. you know, Hey, can we, can we play in like, I don't have to light this thing up right now. Yeah. Like we've said this a thousand times on this, this show is time. Generally most of the time is on, side, yeah. is on our side. Yeah. So let's, let's keep it on our side. However we can do that. And you know, not going, Oh, stolen car. Yeah. Let's, no, let's pull it over. That's the worst oh, thing it's running. Oh, like, Oh crazy. yeah. It's like, Hey, can I get air canine and more units? Yeah. And then, Hey, what airs overhead? Like, cool. <laughs> I, I mean, for me, that's always been like a, like deep breath. Like, okay, I got air overhead. Like, yeah. Hey, this guy wants to go. He wants to go. Like I even like, Hey, it's busy rush hour. Like, all right, go see you. Yeah. Hey, you guys got him. Yeah, we got him. Okay, cool. Yeah. I'll follow from back. Yeah. It all comes down to uh slow down. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's it. I mean, really just, I mean, down. for, for us, it's different from, for my team. Like we do <clears throat> containment a little bit different, but, uh, we're, we're after some high profile people. So that's a, that's a whole different, well, if, if we, different, my taxes are different. different. If we get to a perimeter, we're like, we fucked up. Yeah. Like at that point, we're like, we really, we made a mistake and it could have put people in danger. So that's why we, we do things a little bit different. Yeah. And not to like belabor the perimeter topic and containment, but man, it is so important. Like it, uh, to me, like, that's why it's the first thing that topic on, on every trainer is uh, the number one thing is containment. Oh, there's a reason for that. So, um, get good at it and practice it. And, uh, Hey, I always tell the new guys, look, you're going to be uncomfortable calling a perimeter. Um, do it anyways. And and, and honestly, if you, if you F it up, like it's all good, you know, at least you tried. I would say, I would say do it, but if you have the opportunity to do it with somebody who's done it, like if, especially if you're in training and you have a training officer, who's, who's, just got perimeters down or whatever. And they go, Hey, you're calling this. Yeah. Be, well, like, also be like, Oh fuck, I'm, I'm doing this. Oh shit. And be nervous. And then he's going to be like, mm, you know, maybe the next one goes here. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, Oh, I didn't think about that yeah. that way. Because if you don't do it, you, you, you're never going to get good at it. And a lot of guys are afraid to call perimeters because they don't want to sound stupid over the radio. Oh, that's, that's the common, biggest yeah. common error. And it's yeah. like, no, you, you got to do it. Yeah. Um, and don't be afraid to do it. No, you really. might be the hero in the, in the fucking story. That's right. So. That's right. And, and we've the best perimeter setters all started by making screwed up broadcasts on a perimeter request. Yeah. I mean, we've all done that, and and you just got to work through it and and go. Hey, learning experience. Debrief it. Yeah. <laughs> Debrief it, please, and say what can we do better? What could I have said differently? Where could I have gone differently? And learn from it, and then the next time apply that stuff. Yeah. And you're going to be gold. It might not happen overnight, but it's gonna. It will happen. It will get better. Yeah. And then, you know, I, I, I like to use the analogy of, um, you know, if you show up to a surge, got containment up and you're like, shit, where do I start? It's like, dude, I always look for path of least resistance yes. because that's probably where the suspect's going to go. Right. The path of least resistance, they're, they're jacked up. They got adrenaline pumping. They're going to try to get take an escape Avenue, uh, the quickest way possible. Right. So if you got a, you know, a 10 foot fence in front of you and a freaking six foot fence to the left of you, I'm probably going to go probably check towards the six foot fence because that's a lot easier to get over than a 10 foot fence. Bad guys know that. So, that's right. um, well, you just told them to go over the 10 foot fence. Now you just yeah. messed everything up. If you want to get away, <laughs> go over the 20 foot wall. Yeah. Uh, and some do that. You know, yeah, there so are bad guys that will go yeah. and deal with the, the razor wire because their girlfriend lives on the other side of that fence or their yeah. buddy does. Yeah. And, and they won't do what you just described, but most mm-hmm. are doing exactly what you described. 10 foot fence or razor wire pit bull fence. They're going fence, yeah. <laughs> you know, and 
but don't discount that they're going to deal with that pit bull. No, oh, yeah. Why. You can't discount it because there are guys that will deal with it for reasons of their very own. You know, they're not there. It's usually a safe place where they know I can get into an apartment there. All right. My buddy lives right there. Oh, razor wire. That's going to hurt, but I'm going to do it. Yeah. You know, whereas the average guy, especially if they crashed outside their neighborhood uh, at the termination point and they're running in an unfamiliar ground, they're going over that smaller fence almost 100 percent of the time. Yeah. 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 You know, you know it all just it's, human nature. It, it, it's a craft. Honestly, this whole it's a game. It's a craft. And you, yeah, you just learn to get good at it. Um, well, and then they are, too. They're practicing. Oh, they're yeah, learning. They they're talking to each other. If they've been caught before. Yeah. They learn from that just I as mean, we do. So I was um, I was so fortunate enough to work corrections before getting in. Well, not before, but before going to patrol and. You know, these guys talk, they, they train, they learn, and they'll talk to you sometimes too and be like, oh yeah, no, uh, you don't do that. Everyone knows you don't do this guy right here. Got caught Cause he, you know, he did this, he did that. And yeah. you're like, listen he, to he that. He stopped running after one yard. And yeah. Did, you know, yeah, I, like, what an idiot, that. you know, and they'll make fun of him and he'll laugh and yeah. be like, uh, oh, so I'm in jail. Best information that you can learn about what bad guys do <laughs> is from talking to bad guys. Yeah, yeah. No doubt. Some of them tell you to pound sand. Most of them do. But some of them do talk to you yeah. and you just go, oh my God, did he just say that? And you absorb it and go, he did just say that. No. And we got to learn from that. You know, that's a bad guy saying that. That's not some copper or some trainer. That's a true felon right there that just said, well, you guys never search laundromats or you don't look inside the dryers of yeah. laundromats. Why did he say that? Yeah. Because copper's... He's seen it or yeah. heard that, they, yeah. that coppers don't do it. Yeah. Uh, looking up, uh, yeah. you know, it, why do bad guys hide up? Well, the ones that have talked to me say, well, I don't want any part of a canine. And the second thing they say is, you guys don't cops look don't look up. Yeah. <laughs> well, where did they get that from? From cops not looking up. They've gotten away by being on a top shelf or spider manning in a, in a uh, closet. And the cop comes in and does this and never does that. That's where they get that idea from. And, and it's true. We've all been there as younger, less wise uh, officers. Maybe we didn't look up. I didn't. I, you know, I learned the hard way uh, that looking up is vital. Well, now I try to share that. I talk about it in the class. I talk about it with recruits. You must look up. Yeah. The bad guys are talking about you saying, you, don't, you us, don't look up. You're going to change that. Mm-hmm. You're the generation that's going to change that, you know, and and. Most of the recruits say this, go, wow, that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Because none of you looked up, you know? If I was coming in this room to hide, I'm guaranteeing you that I would hide up there. You know, I would never hide down here under, under the, the desk table. or under the table. <laughs> I'm going to hide up, up there some way, somehow. It's going to yeah. be high because I'm going to go with probabilities. And the probabilities are that these coppers are going to come in here. And if I don't make a noise, they're not going to find me because they're not going to look up. Now, trained officers, SWAT team, you know, canine handlers, uh, experienced patrol officers are going to, they're going to come in, scan the whole and room scan up, yeah. and they're going to find you. Uh, a dog's going to alert high. I mean, there's all sorts of things, but the average young patrol officer probably isn't looking up. Mm-hmm. So we can change that by yeah. talking about it, talking about it on a podcast, talking about it in a class, talking about it at the academy. We can, we can change some of that so that some of these guys don't get away. Yeah. Because some of them get away. Mm-hmm. I've had a lot several, of them get away. I've had several high fines on a case. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I would say most of my 
building searches that I was participated in both with my own dog and others, when we found somebody, I, I'd say the majority were high, maybe only on a shelf, but many were in the ceiling. Mm-hmm. Many were uh, in attic crawl spaces yeah. and some of them talked. And the ones that talked said, I don't want no part of that dog. And you guys don't look up. Lesson learned. That's all I needed to hear. And yeah. now my highs are going up on every search. I mean, it's automatic that you'd come into a room and go high. Yeah, great. That is yeah. huge. Inf- yeah, great and, bit of information. And debrief your suspects if oh, you can. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, sometimes they're going to be FUs and yep. shut up and whatever. And, yeah, and that's, that's fine. fine. Like, yeah. that doesn't. And and that goes with, with knowing that, hey, they're like, hey, when I'm after you, I'm going to go do whatever. And you want to fight with me? Fight with me. Let's fight. Let's do whatever we got to do. Let's get you in custody. But when it's done, it's done. Yeah. And yeah. you can treat them like completely normal. Mm-hmm people because they are and you know you treat them with respect 90% of the time I've treated somebody with respect they've treated me with respect and been like yeah I'm you know they'll just tell me ah, I ain't gonna tell you that stuff and you'd be like oh, okay I, I respect yeah. that too or sometimes they're like dude you guys do this all the time yes. and this is why I did it and and hey good job man you got me <laughs> like sometimes time. I've gotten fist yeah. bumps I've gotten like hey man hey yeah. hey you got me this time next time I'm I'm, I'm not going to make that mistake you be got like me fair and square huh? yeah <laughs> and uh, and you know talk to them just I, and again I you know we're going to beat a dead horse on this show. talk to them and times on your side that's th- th- those are those are my my gifts of law enforcement that I will give to anybody is yeah. if you can talk to somebody, talk to somebody and time is on your, hopefully time's on your side. Yeah. Make yeah. time on your side. If you can, we all know people that are gifted at, uh, dusting people off. Yeah. We call it. I don't yeah. know what, if other yeah. instances use that term, but oh, yeah. dusting them off. And that just means what, what you just described Yeah, where you dust them off. Hey, <laughs> Everything good? Yeah, man, yeah. that was, that was pretty good run. We yeah. just did there. And next thing you know, they're conversing with yeah. you. And next thing you know, you learn why they hid there. Yeah. <laughs> well, I hid there because you guys never looked there. Yep. Dog houses. That, my first find in that doghouse, it was a teenager. And we pull him out, and the first words out of his mouth is, I can't believe you found me. You guys never look in dog houses. And I'm telling you that looking in dog houses was stressed heavily to the canine people. Not the patrol, but the canine people, because we found so many people in dog houses. So that's why that's a part of the class, yeah. you know. Uh, but that's what this kid believed. Why does he believe that? Because he's because done it. That's right. That's he's exactly it, why. Yeah. He's done it. His friends have done it. Uh, and they've gotten away because cops walked through the yard and never looked in that doghouse. And you got to look in the doghouse. Yeah. <laughs> you just yeah. have to. There's cops listening to this and they're like, Fuck, I'm going to start. There, there's going to be guys out on Why searches yeah. as soon as this comes out. Listen, <laughs> got a doghouse over here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Their partner's like, what are you doing? Dude? And you're like, dude, Jack said to look in doghouses. Yeah. And who the fuck is Jack? Don't worry about Don't it. Worry about Check it. out the Shots Fired podcast. Yeah. All right, and you'll find out. And Jack was told that by many people yeah. with more experience than him. And, you know, there are cop killers that have been pulled out of doghouses. Uh, yeah, I've heard that. And heard absolutely that. true. And, uh, you know, so... That's why you look in dog houses. You never know. Yeah. yeah. So two two things I want to wrap it up with. Um, number one is if you could summarize um, for cops out there how to be, I guess, most successful if uh, trying to catch a bad guy or setting a perimeter um, or just being a good street cop. Um, is there something that comes to mind to you that you could share of uh, you know how how to be the most successful? I, I think. 
I know it's kind of probably a loaded question. It is. But it is because there's so many things. But I'd say go to uh, Jack's class. Yeah, go to his class. Those are two things. Yeah, but I would say you got to keep your view wide. If you get tunnel vision, uh, which we all do, we've yeah. all had it. Uh, if you narrow your view on things, that's going to hurt you with perimeters. You've got to take a broader view of the total circumstances and very quickly go. What do I have here? Is this a guy that was stealing car radios or is this a guy that just tried to kill me? Those are two different people. You got to, that's got to be determined quickly. Mm -hmm. And then you got to widen your view and say, you know, what, what do I got? What assets do I have available to me? And some people are going to say, well, I have very limited assets. Hold on. That's for the, the car thief. I'm talking, the, the other alternative was the guy tried to kill you. You have a lot of assets for that. And I don't care where you work. Certainly yeah. in California, I don't care where you work. If someone shoots at you and tries to murder you and they run and you put that out on the radio, the troops are coming. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it may take them a while. It may be from agencies you never even heard of. Yeah. It may be people you've never seen in your career, but they're coming. Mm -hmm. and, and I can think of a lot of, you know, I can think of a lot of cases across California where that happened and then success happened. Um, with very large perimeters, uh, the series thing is, is certainly an example of that. Uh, but there's many others. Uh, so I would say keep a broad view, think ahead, have some foresight, but really quickly evaluate what do I have? You know, who is this I'm chasing? Not who in their name, but what is this guy just a, a common thief? Or is this guy going to really be determined to get away because he doesn't want to go to to Pelican Bay, you know, uh, those are two different people mm -hmm. that you're chasing and your actions need to be different for those two people. And you've got to recognize that really fast and then think, think big. And you can, here's the rule. You can always make a perimeter smaller. Yeah. You can always set it big and then say, Hey, you know what? We just don't have the people for this. Let's uh, bring, dial this back a notch. What you can't do is set one block and then 30 minutes later say, uh, now we got a bunch of people here. Let's uh, let's make this bigger. The chances of that having success is almost zero yeah. because the bad guys have evolved. They're going to figure that out pretty quickly. And if they're not in that one block, they're getting on a bus or they're walking or calling a friend and they're probably already at home having a beer. Mm -hmm. and, and when you're deciding to make this one block, five blocks, it's almost a waste of time. I'm not saying don't ever do that. What I'm saying is that the success rate is going to be very low on that. Whereas opposed to saying, I need five blocks right now and I don't care what it takes. Dispatch, get me everybody, you know, call whoever you got to call. I need people here now. This guy just tried to kill my partner and I, or this guy just shot at me. I got holes in my windshield and set the five blocks. It may take a while, but you set the five. And then if you don't have the assets, you dial it back. So, I mean, I know I touched on a bunch of things. There, no, no. But the main thing good. is totality of circumstances. Yeah, like it's it. very important like in it. everything we do. Yeah. Uh, totality of circumstances is important. And uh, I think when you're chasing somebody, that's really, really important. Yeah, I like it. And that's, I mean, those are great, great tips. Um, and then lastly, is there, being an air officer, is there, is there a story that sticks out to you where you guys were searching for maybe a really bad guy and, you as the observer uh, end up locating this person, you know, whether it's a hotspot uh, on the camera 
or, you know, you guys are having trouble locating someone and you, you as the observer end up finding someone and it's that like aha moment. Like I found them. There, there are so many of those, so many of those. And, and part of it is because of forward looking infrared flare. I mean, the flare is a great tool to find people. There's nothing more rewarding than coming to a very large area and cranking that thing up and looking and going, wow, what is that right there? A partner, what do you think? I don't know. <laughs> that's that's an odd place for heat. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't make sense of it. And when I'm teaching people about FLIR, I tell them when, when you when you're confused about what it is, that's the time you want to call the, the folks on the ground and say, "Hey, come check this," <laughs> because sometimes you can tell. Oh, that's a piece of that's a jacuzzi heater. That's a that's an animal. Oh, look, it has antlers. You know, I mean, you, you can figure it out. Yeah. But the, the little dots of heat in areas that you can't explain are the ones that usually end up being something. Yeah. Uh, it can still be a litter of kittens, you know, but I tell people you can't catch fish if you don't go fishing. you got to tell people on the ground, Hey, I got this. My partner and I both looked at it. We're not sure what we got here. Uh, we can't explain it and we need it checked. And then the other thing I tell them is once they check it, uh, and they determine it's not the suspect. The next question has to be, well, what is it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What is it? And they go, oh, it's it was a um, it's a piece of concrete. It's really odd that this piece. Oh, well, concrete holds heat. You know, even though it's two in the morning now, that concrete's holding some heat. Or it was a litter of kittens, or it was a raccoon, or it was this or that. There's a, m- a million things it can be. Um, Decomposing. Yes. Decomp pile. Yeah. yeah, exactly. A trash can. Trash can. I, trash I, I used, to, yeah. I I mean, used to have that all the time and yeah. troll like, hey, you might, I'm pretty sure this trash can's going to be nothing and uh, you might want to check it. Pull up, be like, yeah, it's uh, lawn clippings. They're like, yep, that happens. Yeah. yeah. The, the problem is, and, and here's, with, with the trash can thing, I talked about this in the class a lot, is that I have yet to find a way to look at a hot trash can and tell you that's decomposing grass or that's a bad guy. You would think that the deep decomposing grass would be very uniform and mm-hmm. look like a cup of milk, mm-hmm. right? With the heat. And most of the time it does. And you would think that a human inside there would be like hit and miss hot spots. Well, I'm here to tell you that you can reverse those constantly. Where, where you're convinced, you tell your partner, oh, this is going to be decomposing grass and it's the bad guy. And you look at it and go, oh, that's going to be the bad guy. And it's decomposing grass. <laughs> I don't know how to, there's no way to tell without canine or SWAT or patrol going up and, and searching that trash can yeah. yep. what's in there. So the patrol rule is uh, treat them all like it's a bad guy. Yep. Uh, and the rule that I teach air crews is don't ever, ever say, hey, I've got your bad guy in this trash can. Yeah. And also don't ever say, Hey, I got a trash can. It's probably grass clippings, mm-hmm. but could you check it? Because that's dangerous to them too. You've convinced them. You've convinced some poor patrol copper. Oh, he thinks it's grass clippings. I can just walk up there and flip the lid. Yeah. What if it's not? Mm-hmm. And what if something bad happens to that guy? So you see both, both ends have to consider it the threat yeah. uh, to be tactically right. And um, I feel strongly about that because there's lots of videos online of people in trash cans and, and with Fleur and you see it and you just go, and when I see a new one, I always go, okay, what do I think? Oh, this is going to be, this is going to be a bad guy. And then it's nothing. Yeah. And I'm wrong. I'm wrong regularly. Yeah. And, and 
there's people much more experienced than I am on FLIR that are also wrong. So that's a clue to if you're on the ground that, yeah, the technology is great, but it can't see through that trash can. Mm-hmm. It's not 100 it's, it's seeing the, the heat on the plastic is what it's seeing. Or the metal. You can have trash bins, too. It just takes longer for the heat to get through. But the, the point is, there's no way for them to know. And even if they say, hey, guys, I got your suspect here in the trash can, you know, I would, I would just take that with a grain of salt and yeah. say, well, it, it most yeah. maybe it is, yeah. but let's use the right tactics every single time so we don't get ourselves in trouble. Mm-hmm. Because there are guys in trash cans with guns. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I give Some an example all the time that. where yeah. suspect where the gun is found in the trash can located by canine and he pops out of the trash can with a gun in each hand and they shoot, they shoot him to defend themselves. And when they take him into custody, he's got a third gun in his waistband. And I use that example because it's a dramatic one. But I remind him, what if you went up to that trash can and just lifted the lid and looked in? You're toast. You're dead. Your name's going on that wall in D.C. You're done. Don't worry. You won't feel a thing. It's going to be over quick. And, and I, I say those exact words because I want people to understand you don't just go up to a trash can. What if... That guy's in that trash can. And that's a real story. <laughs> I mean, I know all the people that were involved in that. My ski buddy was involved in that in, in Oregon. Uh, I know that story well. That three-gun thing is true. Now, that's an unusual guy. I would agree. But it happened. But it happened. And yeah. we're not making it up. And what if that's the guy in the trash can? So, uh, the trash cans are a, one of my pet peeves. Can you yeah. tell? Yeah, yeah. No, it's great. because it's a common hiding spot, and that's an international one. By I the way, I don't yeah. think a lot of cops take that uh, into consideration when searching. I and, and I know for a fact that most cops, when they're searching, bypass trash cans constantly, and they probably don't even search them. And then if the ones that do, I know it's nonchalant, just bloop bloop, you know, lift up, lift point, up, yeah. With your gun. So I'm, I'm glad you said that because maybe people listening to this are gonna you know, think twice about that now. Please think twice about it. My, one of my biggest fears in the air was watching officers do that nonchalantly and going, oh my God, eventually I'm going to see something I do not want to see. Yeah. I, I mean, truly, that's one of my biggest fears. I've had nightmares about that, thinking that I would see that happen. And, and I said, I'm going to do something about that. I'm going to write about it. I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to, every chance I get, because I don't want that to happen to somebody. There's a there's a hundred ways to clear that trash can. The one way you don't is lifting the lid and sticking your head and your gun in there. There you got to find a tactical way to do it. Mm-hmm. Comes back to, to billion time. Mm-hmm. Relax. Take a breath. Slow down. There's no hurry here. Yeah. Trash cans are popular. They're popular in in the Netherlands. They're popular in California. They're popular in everywhere in between for bad guys. It's just they're everywhere. Mm-hmm. That's why they're popular because they're accessible. Yeah. So. Please, officers, deputies, agents, troopers, <laughs> slow down. Don't just look at trash cans as, ah, it's just a quick deal. Yeah. Any, maybe. Anything for that maybe matter. This. Sheds, everything. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, I think we'll, uh, we should wrap this up. I thought that was, I thought yeah. there was a lot of educational stuff there, you know, especially for you patrol guys, canine, anybody interested in being an air ops. Um, a lot of, a lot of lessons there. Um, where can people find your book? And how can people find you in well, your website? Oh, okay. Well, it's officertactics.com, officertactics.com. Uh, the book is Apprehending Fleeing Suspects, Suspect Tactics and Perimeter Containment. 
cthomas.com, that's the publisher, or Officer Tactics, it'll link you there. Amazon has it re- regularly. Um, and class information is also on officertactics.com. Uh, uh, All right, so if officers want to reach out to you and have you come to their town, they can get a hold of you there and, sure. and host a class at, at, uh, at their local uh, jurisdiction. Yep. Still do it regularly. Um, and still get calls. I ne- I've never advertised ever. And I just get emails. And, and, and I'm going to throw and, this out there too. You're not very expensive. And, and I don't and think I, so. And I say <laughs> that and I, and I say that, um, because there's a lot of trainers out there that are charging an astronomical amount of money and I get it. They want to make the money. I, I'm going to say that I, I think you are ridiculously underpriced for your value. <laughs> Thank you. And, and I want cops to know that because that is always a turnoff for agencies and officers to host training because the trainer's too expensive. And I'm not trying to undersell you, but every class that I've seen you go to and every class I've seen you advertise is cheap. And, and, uh, and I, and I truly think it's cheap because you do it not for the money, but for the passion behind it. It's never been for the money. Never. And, yeah, and never and, will be. I mean, I don't know how much longer we're to do it, but it, it never will be. It's, there's too many things that, that experience provides you and the wisdom that you get over the years that you can all relate to and a lot of gray hair, but, uh, <laughs> a lot of wisdom came with that and it's too important. Uh, it's life or death stuff. And it's worth sharing. I've always felt that way. And that's why I did it for free for a long time. I mean, yeah. was, and then my wife took care of that. She was mm-hmm. crazy. Mm-hmm. She, she was right. I mean, I'm leaving home and flying to places. Right. And and they paid for my airfare, my hotel. And, and so, but I've tried to keep it reasonable. And uh, it's funny you say that because I just had, uh, I won't say what agency, but it's back in the Southeast. And the, the chief yelled at me. And he said, you, you don't charge enough. And I'm like, that's the first time I've ever heard that from someone trying to hire me for yeah. a week. Yeah. And he goes, no, I've, I've had your class. You don't charge enough. And that made me feel good. And it made me feel very good that you just said that because it's not about the money. It's about information to keep people safe and well, cash bad guys. Yeah. And that's what I signed up for. I, I <laughs> truly, I, I, I really value that about you. And I, I appreciate that. And, and uh, you know, I do training myself and. And I try to toe, toe that line as well as not, not make it about the money, Good. make it so that cops can go to your class so that you can spread your knowledge and, and experience and, and just make people better and safer. Yeah. That's all. And so I, I appreciate that about you. Well, thanks. Um, thank you so much for, for coming. Uh, really. I know you're busy you've been traveling a lot. You have a class tomorrow. Um, can't thank you enough for, for coming on here. And uh, I, I would strongly advise uh, if you guys are listening, reach out, have them come teach this class in your neck of the woods. You will not regret it. Yep. So, thank you um, so much for having me, guys. Yeah. Oh, thanks really for coming. Yeah. You guys are great. Usually, we end these on a toast. So, cheers to you, to all of you. Make sure you guys are being safe out there. Be smart, and uh, we will catch you guys on the next one. Thank you. Thank you.